Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What oh, up? Yes, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post Fran, what's going on, man? It's been uh, another week of uh, headlines and news yeah. and craziness. Um, how you holding up? Doing pretty good, man. Again, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm here. Um, big to be able to say that in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy year. I mean, I don't know. To say the least. Yeah, I don't I don't know what this second half of 2020 is going to be like. I'm pretty terrified. Aliens. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Uh, Cthulhu. Whatever the, thing, whatever the worst thing you can think of that's happening, it's going to happen. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm not putting nothing past 2020. It's... June. Yeah. You, you got know. another half to go, man. Another half. I just, I don't know. We got the uh, election coming up. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going to go, how things are going to turn out, but it remains to be seen. But how's it going for you? Um, Good, man. Uh, um, I'm, I'm on the, new, the last season of Mr. Robot. Okay. Uh, I'm also alive. And I have a new appreciation for brie cheese. Brie um, cheese. Yeah. It's, you got to find, you know, the light in the dark times. So even the little things I, I'm taking appreciation for. Yeah. And brie cheese is one of them, man. Pop it in the oven for about 350, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It just becomes like an ooze of cheese. Mm. And then you just scoop it up with vegetables. Okay. It's very, you know, it's a very nice snack. What does it taste like? Other than it being just cheese, gooey, gooey of, cheese, just man. Gooey cheese. Just gooey cheese, very creamy cheese. It's very, mm. it's a very creamy cheese. I love brie. I'm a fan of brie. Other than that, um, you know, if we're gonna talk about some, you know, if we're gonna keep it light, I guess yeah. you know, applause is due, kind of, sorta. Uh, Breonna Taylor's one of the three officers who was involved in the shooting of Breonna Taylor was fired or will be fired. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, I think that more needs to be done. I hope that charges are filed because this specific officer um, whose name is Brett Hankinson, he fired 10 shots into the window of that apartment. Three bullets went into the neighbor's apartment. 
he didn't Damn. see anybody. He was on the side of the house? Or? I think he was one of the officers just like out by the car because they were serving a warrant and they yeah. had the place surrounded. And then the young man who was inside, her boyfriend, who just heard the door get kicked in and fired at who he thought were intruders. Yeah. So I guess when he heard a shot, he let the whole clip go. Yeah. But like from the from the sidewalk. From the, you're talking about the officer? Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I heard a shot. I'm, I'm shooting into this window. Yeah. Shot 10 bullets into that window. Shot Breonna Taylor was shot at least eight times. Um, they still can't get their hands on the no knock warrant. It, they're saying it disappeared in the in the scuffle and all the madness. The the warrant just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So we don't know who signed off on the warrant. What judge signed off on the warrant? Everybody's responsible for this. Yeah. But another applause is due because, you know, I mean, I, you have to say that you know people didn't die in vain. I guess, but. Be- because of this terrible thing that happened to Breonna Taylor in Louisville, they have done away with no knock warrants. I don't know why they, I don't know why a no knock warrant exists in the first yeah, place. Why is that a thing? Yeah. I think it's just to sneak up on people to assure that they get an arrest. But if you have the place surrounded and you've done all your due diligence, you should feel like confident that the person is in there. Yeah. And if they're not in there, then you'll get them next time. What, you, do you remember the time they did this? Uh, oh, it was like one in the morning. One in the morning. It wasn't okay. like yeah, it wasn't like seven. They were yeah. they were That's in I mean. bed asleep. Yeah. yeah, it was it was in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was in the middle of the night, and they went to, you know, serve a warrant or, you know, act on a warrant for yeah. somebody who wasn't in the house. And That's a woman died. She was shot eight yeah. times. Yeah, but they was they was trying to sweep that under the rug, though. Oh, they until, still are trying to sweep it under the rug. Oh, they I'm still talking are. before he got out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. the story initially was, you know, uh, a couple of drug smugglers got into a shootout with the police. Mm-hmm. And... Now we're seeing that that's not the case at all. And, you know, I'm sure more will be revealed. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But rest in peace to Breonna Taylor. And yep, you have to just kind of appreciate the moment that we live in and, and see that things are being exposed. It, it Right now, America has a big open wound, bigger than it's ever been. There's always been all these wounds that everybody says is this big open wound. Slavery was supposed to be this big open wound, but it wasn't being recognized by everybody. So it was more of black America's big open wound and we were looking for recognition or an apology or whatever it is that we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other half of the country was like, whatever, shut up. That was, that was years and years ago. And then in this time right now, everybody is kind of reconciling with the animosity that's happening because we, the fact that you can live in a country and two people can be looking at a country and see two completely different things. Mm -hmm. It's clearly because of two different lived experiences because there's people who look at America and they go, this place is amazing. Appreciate the freedoms. This is great. And you're, you know, and you can do anything's possible here. And then the same person is looking at the same country, lived here the same amount of time, and it feels the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And you can blame that person all you want, and you can cite statistics all you want, but eventually you have to get to a point where, you know, no matter how many statistics you bring up, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And you can't just put that on, like, laziness or people you know resisting arrest against police that thing that happened with uh rayshard brooks yeah when i saw the video of him talking to the police officer for Mm -hmm. five minutes just trying to go home yeah i said if that police officer's job was really to protect and serve and not to find drugs make arrests meet quotas a guy going you guys showed up maybe i was in the drive-thru drunk or whatever but i pulled over here when you guys arrived the cars pulled over my sister lives down the street just please, I won't drive the car. Just, I'll go home. I'll walk. Yeah. I'll walk home. He's trying to de-escalate the situation. If that guy's job is really to protect and serve, why wouldn't he go, 
all right, man, I'll put you in the back seat. If 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 if, if you want to be looked at, you we want to look at these police officers as heroes, right? Mm-hmm. I think that is. I still believe there are police officers who really do want to make a difference and For change sure. the world. Yeah. But to pull up at a situation like that, the car's parked, the dude's talking to you. He's saying, "Listen, I had a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. I don't want any problems." He's clearly like, "Look, man, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. I don't want to be." one of these people. Yeah. My sister lives down the street. Yeah. I'll walk. Yeah. I'll lock the car up. I'll come back tomorrow and I'll walk home. Why wouldn't you just let that dude do that? Yeah. He's presenting no threat to you. He has no weapons. He's tra- he's talking to you calm. And but this clear this dude clearly didn't want to go to jail. And then this video comes out later where you find out this dude has been through the system and it's a rough cycle and it's hard to get a job and you hear his story and it's like he didn't want to go back. Yeah. He period. didn't want to go back and go have to go spend two months in what whatever the situation is. He didn't want he's been through the system. It's a shitty system. It's hard to get see your family, get a job, whatever. I don't want to go back. Please just let me lock the car up and go home. Yeah. And after five minutes of that, the guy was like, No, you're going to jail. And then he resisted arrest and we see we saw what happened next. Yeah. But I think the more important part to me is seeing that three to five minutes of a person just being like, come on, man, like, give me a break. Yeah. And he, that officer couldn't give him a break because there weren't body cameras. And he now has to fill out. He now has to do the thing that he's required to do or he'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I have to write you a thing or a re- I have to do a there. I've been called. So I have to write out a report or whatever. I can't just be like, no, it's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. Or maybe he could and he didn't, but either way it didn't have to go that way. No. It's not like they showed up and the dude immediately like swung on the police officer. He stood there for three to five minutes and said, look, man, I just don't I don't want to go to jail. Just my sister is right there. My daughter's birthday is tomorrow. Can I just walk to my sister's house? And we know that wasn't the outcome, but it's just there has to be a middle ground. Yeah. Um, Did you hear the other news that came with that? About, uh, the, about the arson? The, of the Wendy's? Yeah. What about it? Like the 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 lady that supposedly burned it down or whatever. Oh, they have video of her burning that one. Oh, that lady. was like his girlfriend or something. Oh, I don't know. I, it was a white lady throwing uh, somebody going on Twitter. The way people seeing these these people like these these young white college students like yeah. spray painting Black Lives Matters on Starbucks and yeah. stuff, and, and black people being like, "Hey, man, don't do that," because we're gonna that's good. We're gonna get blamed for that. Yeah, they caught some white lady just kind of throwing light, lit pieces of paper or something into the Wendy's as if the glass was broken and everything and. They fucked that Wendy's up anyway. I didn't know it burned down. I just I yeah. Just they fucked that down. whole they they fucked that whole Wendy's up, but then they burned it down. You know, they threw Jesus. shit through it. And, oh yeah, man. It, the, this Did they is, loot it? I don't Burgers know what you gonna yeah. steal a bunch of square patties. Yeah, you know, I, I guess it's hard times. I mean, some square patties can get you by. Yeah. Um, but it's just I don't know, man. The world is interesting right now. It just feels like crazy times. I think we need to find a middle ground between, uh, a, uh, a police state and total anarchy and we're not really seeing examples of that because we got this thing in seattle right so what happened in seattle there was there was protests in seattle and they took over a police station in seattle and so the police backed off so there's this six blocks of seattle is being currently occupied Mm -hmm. by antifa and you know leftist protesters and all this kind of stuff they're sleeping there they're camped out there um it's been dubbed the capitol hill autonomous zone it's been dubbed chaz Mm -hmm. and just last night a person was shot and a person was killed and that's because there's no police 
They're not letting police in. Mm. And it's because initially, and I'm sure it started as a good idea of we're going to show the world that we can police ourselves and we don't need police to to do anything. And it started off as like, you know, a music, you know, people doing music and sharing art and, you know, giving out free food to each other. But eventually there's an element that comes and sees a bunch of people who are soft and and kind hearted or whatever. And they're like, oh, let's. Let's radicalize this yeah. because I want to fuck. Sh- I'm an anarchist. Yeah. I want change now and I want change through destruction. So they come and th- there's a there's people that are like, yeah, 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 that's cool. You guys are doing all this kind of stuff, but we're here too. We got guns yeah. and we believe what you believe, but we're just going to keep everything cool. And then eventually one of those people goes, I'm in charge now. Mm-hmm. So I run things and there's been cases of uh, attempted sexual assaults and all kind of stuff happening there. So we need to find a middle ground between no no police and no monitoring of people and authority and insane brutality and strict laws and drug wars and, and, and occupying neighborhoods with these militarized police forces. I have to believe there's a middle ground. Mm-hmm. I have to believe there's a middle ground where people get the funding that they need, the health care that they need, the help that they need. There's order and people are following laws and rules and there's a presence of authority to keep people in line. It has to be. Yeah. We're not seeing examples of it because every time you turn on the news, you get stories like this kid, Andres Gordado out in California, who was a security. I don't even know the full story, but mm-hmm. from what I've heard so far, it's nuts. They the police officers pulled up on this kid. He He's a he's a he was a security guard at a like an auto body store place or something. They had yeah. some issues with some tagging. So they hired a security guard. The police pulled up in like three cars or two cars. The kid got scared and ran and they shot him in his back. Supposedly, they say, they, yeah, they, say they saw a gun. Yeah. They say they recovered a gun with no serial number, no nothing or anything like that. Sure. And they took the DVR from the place that he worked and they smashed all the cameras around the buildings. Now, I would, you know, if if in if in a couple of days they release the footage and the kid is standing in the middle of a parking lot holding a gun, I'll retract my statement. But for now, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that video. Yeah. So I have to go by what people are saying. They're saying this was a good kid. He was working security at the place that they shot him at, and and he saw the police. In a time like this, you can blame that on the news, the media, whatever. He saw the police and he got scared and he ran. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened to Freddie Gray. They found a retractable knife in his pocket. And they, the only reason the retractable knife is illegal in Baltimore in some cases mm. is so that people can get jammed up for little minor infractions. They make things illegal so that when you pull you over, you you can have a knife, but it can't be spring action. Yeah. And so because he had a knife in his pocket, it's cool. They broke his back and threw him in the back of a van with no seatbelt and all this kind of stuff, you know. So because this kid, they say he had a gun. There's no cameras. They took all the stuff and we, we're waiting to find that footage. But, you know, we'll, we see, we'll see what happens if, we never, if that footage never comes out. Yeah. But according to the police report, he had a gun and he wasn't in police clothes or security guard clothes or whatever. And they shot him in his back as he ran away. And I have to believe there's some kind of, there's a middle ground. We I talked about gotta, that on the other story, the, um, the Brooks story about that guy, the kid running away. Uh-huh. What, what do you need to shoot him for? Just let him... He can, he, can, he, can get a, he can get away. You have his name. You know where he works. You can get, you, 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 
he gets. Oh, you talking about you talking about this kid? I'm, I'm just talking about this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About. Oh, but in both situations, they got right. this guy's name. They yeah. spoke to him for five minutes. If he gets away, get a warrant for his arrest and go get him from his house yeah. tomorrow. It's this whole thing of like, Trigger no, no, no. You don't man. run. You don't run from me. But what do you shoot for though? Because you don't defy me. I really think that that's. It's such a tense job that it really and 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 they breed these people. In, in such a short time, but through once you get the job and the rhetoric that you hear while you're training is like, it's us and it's them. I get I get it. I get it being a tense job, but I feel so like you, you got to get home. You should be more trained for certain situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's what, you know, that's kind of not trigger happy. You should be you should be. Again, we're not saying, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and uh, talk about being a police officer and what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But we don't, we don't know. Yeah, but yeah. you shouldn't. You shouldn't be. I feel like a police officer shouldn't be scared at every situation they go to. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I have a, I gotta pull this trigger if I really need to. Yeah. You should be going to situation calm. De-escalate. No, the exit strategies or whatever you need to do. But mm-hmm. first thing you think about is I'm, I gotta shoot. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's that's wild. But again, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. We, I don't know what it's like to be a police officer, yeah. but it's the time. I only played cops and robbers when I was a kid, so. <laughs> I don't even entertain games like that, man. I, I never, never. Never been a fed in my life. Never. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I played games like hide and go freak, you know, because I was a young, I was a young mature. Right. I wasn't playing games like <laughs> cops and robbers. What, were you, what, what is even the point of that game? Is it like freeze tag? Is it the same rules, yeah, but just be, with it? Rob a bank and then you got police. Got rob a bank. Like you may believe. You just. Oh, like okay. Okay. Improv. Police, okay. Police got to chase you. I see. Improv. Yeah. So, so is it, so, so is the. The, the, so there's improv involved where you're like, I'm robbing this bank, freeze. And then the, the freeze, kid who's the yeah. police officer is like, hey, I'm a police. Stop. Gotta and then you go, down. oh, no. And yeah, you run. You run. Yeah. I've never played this game. Okay. Yeah. That was more of a freeze tag, TV tag. TV um, tag? What is that? It's kind of, it's the same thing as freeze tag. You know, those kids just got dumb understand. names. TV I tag? Couldn't, I couldn't explain it to you if you paid me a million dollars right now. I just know that's the it thing we called like it. Horrible you do thing. cut sausages out on the feet to see who's going to be it. What? <laughs> You don't know cut sausages out? No. Oh, the count game. Yeah. Oh, bubble yeah. gum, bubble gum, Steak in the barnyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, whichever one, you know, yeah. but we we did cut sausages out. It's the fastest. Yeah. You just go cut. It's it's actually cheating because it's no random. It's just like cut sausage. It's one, two, three, four. Yeah. Cut sausages out. It's no like going around in a circle. And yeah. It's it just, if you're the fourth one, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, as far as anything else is going on right now, um, I, I'm hesitant to touch on this because none of all the facts aren't out and I don't like the conversation that's being had around. They're just finding these black people hanging from objects around the country, man. It's, it's pretty insane. The most prominent probably right now is Robert Fuller out in Palmdale. Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to Billy Jensen. He's one half of, um, Jensen and Holes. It's a great true crime podcast. And he's got boots on the ground, look talking to businesses around the area, seeing who has camera footage. The sheriff out in the area said there were no cameras around, and the he was found hung outside of like a municipal built, like like a government building. And also, we talk about this all the time. It's twenty twenty. There's cameras everywhere. everywhere. Yep. There's cameras everywhere, outside of gas stations. Every, so at every intersection. Yeah. So saying that there's no cameras already is is very fishy. And I'm not saying that suicide isn't a thing. This is why I feel weird having, I don't want to speak, I feel weird speaking about it until all the facts are out yeah. because 
it's fully possible Robert Fuller was an emotionally depressed person. And no matter what his family says, you don't know what people are going through when they get into the bedroom in the middle of the night. You know, like, you don't know. And it's a lot of shit going on. And it's a lot of shit going on. I do think it's incredibly weird to hang yourself in public in some random, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're not going to hang yourself in your closet or in your home or yeah. something, why go to a, you know, a building, a government building and hang yourself? It also could have been a political statement. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. But it all, but I want to I want to tell people listening. I know we got some new listeners, and I was I was driving today. I was coming from my mom's house, and I love the fact that it's 2020, and I saw a white kid, a, a white dude walking with like what looked like a black baby, and you don't feel weird. Yeah, you just kind of go, that's probably like their kid or something like that. Yeah, I think we've come a long way from 10, 20 years ago where somebody might have called the police on that dude, and vice versa. You see some black dude walking with what looks like a white baby, you you might go, oh. That's not a thing because yeah. white people are white and black people are black. And that's 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 weird. Yeah. That's alarming. But, you know, it's this melting pot. I think that's a beautiful thing about America. And we're seeing it more and more. If there's a organization going around hanging black people from trees. Some shit is going to pop off in this country that is going to be dark. Yeah. If that is the realization that comes from this, I hope. I hope, I, as bad as this sounds, I hope Robert Fuller committed suicide. Yeah. Because if some people did that to that dude, the shit that you guys have been seeing over the last couple of weeks is nothing. Yeah. It will be, it's nothing. I promise you. That terrifies me. You know, that is dark. Yeah. That is dark. And I hope, as dark as it sounds, they found like, I think it's up to like five now scattered throughout the country. Just black people have hung, hung, hung themselves, you know, as the official statement. If there's some so they, kind of... Are they calling them suicides because they don't have any evidence? Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. just writing them off as suicides immediately. Yeah. And I don't think that's a coincidence either. I think that any police officer in any department, any police chief in any city is like, oh, a black person was found. What? Yeah. Oh, call it a suicide. Get it. They'll they'll burn the city down. Yeah. Let's just put this fire out as quick as we can. And people are like, no, we want to do a full investigation and get all the facts and like I said, again, I want to give a shout out to Billy Jensen because he's out on the streets. He's a truth seeker and he's trying to find out what's going on. But what I will say again, if it's people going around and snatching up black people and hanging them from trees and, and light poles and shit like that, shit is it's going to get dark, man. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm I, my girlfriend is white. My, my fiance is white. People are dating and Asian and black, Asian and white, Cambodian and this and the melting pot and all this kind of shit. If it's if it's if black people being snatched up and hung from shit, it's gonna be some conflict, man. Yeah, and I'm talking about big throughout the country. Yeah, and I like to I would like to think that the melting pot is starting to outnumber the people who have the ability in their heart to do something like that. Mm -hmm. But only time will tell. Yeah, only when the shit really hits the fan will you really see. Oh, that person I thought was cool with me. They're they're not on my side. Mm -hmm. We just work together. Mm -hmm. I think it's gonna be. I think it's been a lot of that in the last four years of like, oh, I thought you thought the looked at the world how I look at the world. It's been a lot of that, and I, it's gonna be some more of that if it's people being hung from trees on purpose. Um, it's gonna be a lot of lines being drawn in the sand. So, yeah, that's all I gotta say on that. Uh, again, I scary. I'll, I'll come with. More information if I get more. Again, I, as fucked up as it sounds, I really, I pray to God Robert Fuller 
just is was a really depressed person and committed suicide. Just even if just if one of them come up as like, oh, this wasn't a suicide. Yeah, the number of the them now is like, a whole bunch of shit. I, I hope they go five for five. I hope they go five for five that they all just you know the depression is real, and it's possible, but it just I don't know public, what black man. person is gonna go and publicly hang themselves because they're depressed. You, I'm not gonna say what people do or don't do when they commit suicide, but I'm just saying if you're depressed, I would think you you know you take some medication, hang yourself at home, you know whatever. Just to go publicly go do put yourself on display like that feels very. Um, strange that's a lot of work for one person that yeah. too climate I don't, I don't that too I, again i just hope i hope I, yeah i just hope it's not i hope it's not what people are looking into it to be because i mean any black person that's fired up right now will go oh somebody hung that person that's the first place you go yeah and i hope it's not that it's not you know only time will tell though yeah um in some more depressing, sad news, man. Um, icon, cultural icon, Hurricane Chris. Is this depressing, sad news? I'm sorry. Is this is this depressing, sad news? Yeah, man. The dude had the dude is a two hit wonder, and now Hurricane Chris has been arrested on second degree murder. He said it was self defense. The police said that the footage has, says otherwise, man. I don't like. I don't see this as depressing. Well, sad I'm just news. saying, man. If I get if I get two hits, I think I can live the life. I can make my money stretch to where I'm living the life of at least a you know a well-to-do banker. Oh, you talking about? As I'm far just saying as, to okay. get to that point, like to, right. to 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 be to have any kind of marginal success. The you know the you know um, the cha-cha slide guy, the cupid shuffle guy. Uh, yeah. You know these are people who I I don't want to hear. Oh yeah, they killed somebody or they got arrested for selling drugs because the song that people play all the time yeah. doesn't make them any money anymore. Yeah, well, he's from Louisiana, so. Bunch of savages coming from out of there. Well, I don't think that. Look, man, you shouldn't be disrespecting Louisiana like that. I don't okay. play around with that Creole shit and the voodoo and all that kind of stuff. So don't bring that shit here. I'm you just keep saying. your you keep your biases towards Louisiana to yourself. No. Okay. This this goes because if they the put a hex, podcast. so that they, means if they me put a hex, if they put a hex and they put that mojo on this podcast. It's gonna be on me. It's gonna be on me and, and then you. me. And you're gonna have a problem. Okay. Well, and fuck then, Louisiana. And, How about that? Wow. No. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Listen. I brought this up to say Hurricane Chris, first of all, apologize to Louisiana. That was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> I was doing a little thing with you and you went too far. I need you to apologize to Louisiana. Why? That was too far, man. What do you mean? You can't go far? around saying fuck states. Why can't I? You can't do that, man. It's a predominantly black city, cities down there in Louisiana. A lot of fucked up shit happened in Louisiana. You can't just say that, man. You want me going to rant? That's inflammatory. You want me to go. Want me to name a whole what? bunch of them? No. Oh, I don't want you. I will. Listen, can you just apologize to Louisiana? Man? That was that was across the line. It was across the line. What am I apologizing for? I'm not just throwing out sorry. You just man. said fuck Louisiana, man. That's what about crazy. It? That's crazy, man. All what right. if, what if, I, I apologize. What if we got listeners wearing the affirmative murder merchandise down in Louisiana? And they I didn't get, say fuck them. I said. But I'm saying now we're enemies of Louisiana, and now they got an issue because they just want to wear the merch. All right. Can't be putting targets on people back like that. Louisiana, we got love, man. It's no disrespect. All right. No voodoo. It is savages out there, though. It, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Hurricane Chris is one of them. Yeah. And But it's not the person sad dudes. Just saying. But continue. It was a little satirical, man. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not bro, I'm not broken up about Hurricane Chris. Yeah, you are. Sounds like it. <laughs> 
I don't like to see I don't like to see any black man, uh, you know, squander an opportunity. He killed somebody, man. <laughs> at the end he, of the he day, did, he, he did. Should I not play a baby? Because I was yeah, gonna play. Do, okay, all hit, right. Okay. That was I know that's what I'm saying. I was Holly just gonna Berry. say Halle, Halle Berry, Berry, great Halle song. Berry. I was, you know, I just want to say Hurricane Chris, man, hold your head and yeah. you know, uh, you know, learn to be a better person while you're in there and come out anew. Um, but shout out to Louisiana. I was just joking. Yeah, it was all. Was just, thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate I you being a bigger man. person and saying that. Uh, th- um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. Oh wait, hmm? I got a random question for you. For this week, a random, a random question. Uh, yes. fran- uh, random. Oh, mm, random. Okay. Ready? On. Please. All right. <clears throat> what would be your perfect day? Plan it out from waking up to bedtime. Perfect day. Plan perfect it out. Day. Okay. Perfect day. Um, I wake up at 9 45 mm-hmm. because I feel like 10 o'clock, you, you, you're sleeping and it's a little bit too long. So I like to just feel like I'm getting ahead of the day a bit. But okay. not too much. Like, I don't yeah. want to wake up at dawn. Yeah. So I wake up around 945. Mm-hmm. I'm greeted with Belgian waffles. Okay. okay. Nice thick, oh, big nice waffles. Nice thick yeah. Belgian waffles, a little powdered sugar, and yep. just two crispy pieces of bacon on the side. Okay. I, no eggs. Um, I enjoy that while watching a couple reruns of The Office. Okay. It's now 11 o'clock. Yep. I take a nice shower. I put on a fresh outfit. Yeah. Also, it's spring. Okay. I need it to Perfect be like weather. 75, yeah. 77. Not Perfect. no so I can wear long sleeves if I want. Wear I shorts. can wear shorts if I want. You can wear long sleeve with shorts. There you go. Boom. Yep. The, the, the diversity. I don't yeah. want it to be, you know, swelteringly hot, yeah. muggy, <laughs> you know, so it's spring. Yeah. That's for one. That's for two actually cuz now it's now it's 11 o'clock and it's spring. Yeah. So it's like 77 outside. I put on a fresh outfit. Mm-hmm. Me and Sierra hop in the whip. Okay. We drive to um a Okay, also there's no pandemic right now. Okay, cool. So everything's open. Okay. You have to put all these stipulations now because shit's crazy right now. Yeah. So there's no pandemic going on, so we can go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so we drive out to uh a nice um kind of uh like a like a outdoor mall. Okay. You know, like a like a shopping center. Yeah. We go to a shopping center and I just dress Sierra. I find her a nice outfit. Okay. Like we I just not to do like anything. Shopping yeah, we go okay. shopping, almost like a montage, Got like you. a like a like a like a '90s rom com montage. She's yeah. trying on outfits. She's putting the sunglasses on, hmm, doing faces. I'm yeah. like, no. Then I'm like, yes, that's the one. Scarves. She throws the scarves over the shoulder. She comes out in a different outfit. We're doing that kind of thing. Okay. We find a couple. Of, we we put together an outfit over going th- to a couple of stores and doing those kind of games. Mm-hmm. So we've now shopped until we drop. We now go to Maggiano's Italian restaurant. Okay. Uh, we have. A small lunch. Is that the one with the fire uh, cake, right? That's, you see where I'm going. We have a small lunch, but that's not why we're there. Okay. We're there to get the Gigi butter cake. Mm. Delicious. And you know, we have the Gigi butter cake. This is now like a, a late lunch. It's like we did this at like two or three. Okay. So now we've had breakfast. We've gone shopping, burned some calories shopping. Now we've had a, a late lunch, light, mm-hmm. so that we have room for the Gigi butter cake. Yeah. We then go for a nice scenic drive back around the area of home mm-hmm. and then we hit a drive through movie theater cool we catch a double feature but it has to be two good movies okay. i don't want some <laughs> i don't want some ah that one's cool and we're here for the next one so you gotta get lucky you gotta get lucky yeah it's it, but it's we're saying the perfect day, day. yeah we're saying the perfect day is double it's like kill bill and django it's, yeah. so, it's something crazy like that or like like uh you know uh honey i shrunk the kids mm-hmm. and then like uh 
a, a, a really good action film. Mm-hmm. Like a great combo that's different, but close. Yeah. Like both good, but different. Mm-hmm. Double feature. So now um, double feature, that put us at like 10 o'clock. You know, once we get there, I say, you know, yeah. we probably get settled in at like five and two movies. It's yeah. probably close to 10 o'clock. We come back to the house, have a nightcap, open up a bottle of wine. Okay. You know, and then, you know, you know what proceeds from there is what proceeds from there. You know, the, the night goes how it goes. Yeah. And then I'm promptly in bed by 1230. Okay. And that's it. That's it? That's my perfect day, man. Sounds nice, man. Um, I would love to do it. Something yeah. <laughs> like everything's closed, not right now. So ain't gonna happen. Can't do any of those things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that is a perfect day for me. I like to keep it simple. I like to just go and have a good time, eat some good food, watch some films, and buy, buy you know, spend money, to, in, yeah. indulge in capitalism. Great answer, man. Thank you. Sounds man. like a very lovely day. It was a very random question. It made me. It's a depressing question because I can't do a lot yeah. of those well, things. But you know, hopefully soon. No uh, longer dreaming. Anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway. <laughs> thinking, I guess. Yeah. Well, now I'm sad. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, this is a Bay Bay. When we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit. Uh, stick around. <laughs> it's Bay Bay doing everybody sing. Hey Bay Bay. my turn to go first this week i believe right yes it is yeah um so i chose my story based on uh we were recording this on saturday night so you guys won't be hearing this until monday whatever time you listen to it morning evening afternoon also happy father's day man yep thank you so much sir Mm -hmm. uh and this story is based on well not based on but it goes with the um father's day okay so my affirmative murder this week is the Father's Day Bank Massacre. Oh, wow. Have you heard of this story before? I have not. Okay. Also, happy belated Father's Day to, you know, yeah. uh, anybody who's listening to this after tomorrow. And also, happy Father's Day to those mothers pulling double duty. Yep. Um. So, the Father's Day Bank Massacre. The Wells Fargo Bank, known at the time as the Union Center, um, or the United Bank Tower okay. had previously allowed its guards to be armed, but had changed their policy less than a year before the robbery, requiring the guards to be unarmed. Oh, 
Okay, I don't. Which is a terrible decision. How you protect the bank? I mean, you, if you're a guard at a bank, I would think number one on the list of things to keep an eye out for is a bank robber. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have? They a probably gun. have a gun. Yeah, for sure. Now I have a buddy that I work with who he was he used to rob banks when he was young. He what? Well, he used to rob banks when he was young. And successfully? Or I mean, what successfully? He got away for a Did little he get bit. Get the money and get away is what mm-hmm. I mean by yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and he would go in and just give him a letter, just give him like a note. Yeah. And apparently that's not that's not as big of a crime as an armed robbery. Like he would go in and say, "Give me all the money in the bank," to the teller. And then sometimes they put a dye pack in the bag or whatever like that. Yeah. And then you can't spend the money if the dye pack explodes because it's destroyed. I saw a movie. I can't remember what movie it was or a show. I, I think it's, it might be new on Netflix or something. But they like robbed the bank mm-hmm. and then like the money they put in like water or something to mm-hmm. see if it to explode or whatever. Yeah. And they if it didn't, they, that's the one they keep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that know. happens. That happens. Yeah. yeah, they put a dye pack in there. But people rob banks with guns a lot of times too. So yeah. to have your security guard not have a gun is that's pretty crazy. But I heard that part the note thing is like people still try to do that now. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 definitely because I think they have to give you the money if you're saying I'm robbing the place. Yeah. So you just keep it discreet and you go behind the glass or oh, cuz you got those people I forgot. I yeah. Well, I think it's harder these days because you bring up a good point. Most banks have like thick glass. Yeah. How are you how are you threatening me? Yeah. But you know, I guess like you got said, other, other people yeah. I could hurt these people yeah. I don't know I'd yeah. be like hey man I'm cool and I don't want to lose my job so I'm not giving you anything so what would how would your life have to go for you to rob a bank how would my life have to go like what yeah <sighs> this is a I like I like um uh little you know test the waters questions like this cause you know I can I think life's been pretty good to me yeah so uh it it would have to get pretty rough but not um, homeless or like, I mean, if, 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 if you get to the point where you're six months behind on, I know the stress of being behind on bills yeah. on small scale things. Yeah. So if you're like, you know, their eviction is on the list of things that are a possibility. Yeah. Your phone's ringing constantly. That level of stress, I could see myself. I, I could see a lot of people in currently in the, in the climate of the way the United States is right now thinking about robbing a bank. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I've been out of work for three months. I can't get through to unemployment. They're still calling about this car note. My my rent my rent is not. They're not not collecting rent. Yeah, you know, or my mortgage company's not trying to hear nothing about uh, not paying or whatever. So my phone's ringing off the hook. The phone's about to get cut off. Gotta do something. I gotta do something, man. And yeah. I think you saw a lot of that in Minnesota and all across the country. A lot of these people are just stealing food or money or whatever to get by. Yeah. So, um, at approximately 4 a.m. on Sunday, June 16th, 1991, which is like, just... <laughs> that was 1991? 1991. So, that was before I was born. 29 years ago. Yeah, so it was like, uh, it's like just recently, just like this, almost this exact day. But 19 years. But not 19, like 20 yeah, years I think that was ago. year Ronnie King got beat up. Yeah, I don't know the year that. He did get his ass whipped up. I think but, it was 90, it might have been, it might have been 92. Yeah. So what's the day? The day's date is June Father's Day coming up. What's that? The twenty first. Twenty first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. June. So this 21st. was June sixteenth, nineteen ninety one. An alarm went off um, in a basement storage room at the United Bank Tower. Records showing a guard in the control center turned off the alarm and took no further action. Mm. So what does that sound like to you? A, uh, inside job. Yep. 
It is unknown if this incident had anything to do with the upcoming robbery. Mm. At 9.14 a.m., the man identifying himself as Robert Robert Bardwell, a vice president at the bank, asked for entry into the bank through a side through a side freight elevator. Mm. I feel like you should have to do that if you use the VP of a bank. You should yeah, have you, a card. Yeah, or, you don't have to ask for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, but I don't know. Yeah. So he called the bank he called the bank's guard um room using a street level security phone. Guard William McCullum Jr. responded by riding the elevator up from the ground floor. When the elevator doors opened, the gunman forced McCullum to ride um to the the sub basement area of the bank. So he was coming up or down to let in this v- vice president person? Yeah. Right. And then he gets up there and there's no vice president. Yeah. It's just a person with a gun. Yep. There, the gunman killed McCullum, hid his body in a storage room, took his electric pass card. The killer made his way through the bank tunnels and up one floor to the bank's basement level area. Okay. Which housed the vault and guard station. During the journey, the intruder set off an alarm at 9.20 a.m. when entering the stairwell. The intruder made his way into the vault area and first entered the guard room. Now, what does this, by just reading this little bit that I've just read so far, what is this? I know you already said it sounded like an inside job, but Mm -hmm. this guy knows his way. Yeah, a former employee. Sounds like a former employee, for sure. I feel like if it was like somebody, it, they would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, like, no, I know exactly where it's going. <laughs> you can't even play that game. Like if you're the person that they're here, where you're like, this is all the money that there is. And they go, yeah. no, it's not. It's Tuesday. So the money comes in through the bank. And wait, what? You know, yeah. the <laughs> you can't even, cause I like, I know a lot of, um, like uh gas station clerks and everything like that. They mm-hmm. go, this is all the money that's in the, in the cash register. They go, where's the safe? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of just movies and things have programmed people who might rob a Exxon or a Wawa or whatever mm-hmm. to ask that question to see just to see what happens because yeah. the movies will tell you what they keep in the register there's a safe in there somewhere yeah and any but anybody who knows that about a bank and not just the bank like the floor where the people who go to patronize the bank but the back workings of the bank is like yeah. take me to the big vault this yeah. is the small vault all take the me different to the different floors yeah and then... i want to go to the main vault it's like oh you used to work here yeah. like, you know like also you're... trying to separate the guards get one of them to come up yeah take him out like yeah. some fucking crazy shit um motions 11 shit yeah so there the gunman forced two guards philip philip mankoff and scott mccarthy into um a battery room where both men were shot and killed oh man if investigators believe that a third guard todd wilson returned to the area during an, during or immediately after the shooting. Upon his return, Wilson was shot several several feet away from the battery room where Mankoff and McCarthy lay. So that's four. Yeah. Victims. Yep. All security guards. All security guards. Who didn't have guns. Who didn't, who was unarmed. Months before this. So he didn't even have to shoot that guy that walked up from a distance because it was nothing that dude could have done anyway. Nothing. Because he had a gun and that, that dude didn't have a gun and he probably knew that. Yeah. Upon investigation, police determined the shooter fired 18 shots during the killing spree. Wow. Hitting his victims with all except one of them. Oh, so he's, he's, uh, he's trained. Accurate as hell. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he didn't hit a shoot from that far, but still. That's true as well. So um, a lot, actually, that sounds more like overkill than, like, 18 a, than, times? than accuracy. You know, if, if it's point blank range yeah. and you get four, 18 shots off on four people. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, yeah, so hitting his victims with all except one of them. I don't know how he missed the last one or whatever it was. It was probably that dude that was down the hall a little bit. Yeah, I'd probably, probably put a yeah. test to his aim. <laughs> um, so none of the four murdered... Wait. 
None of the four murdered bank guards were armed, like we just said. Mm. Before leaving the guard room and entering the vault area, the intruder removed and tampered with evidence so so as to eliminate any trace of his identity. Mm. The perpetrator seized 10 videotapes, bank eyes, a two-way radio, and pages of the guard log and pages of the guard log knew where all of this all was. of it yep um i feel i feel like for me if i was you know in this guy mm-hmm. if i was to rob a bank and i didn't this wasn't inside job i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i would have to take notes i would be looking at my phone like yeah checklist bodyguards out the way. get the cameras get the tapes yeah. wasting time doing that shit yes. <laughs> but i mean there's no guard so he got pretty much all the time he oh yeah, right yeah 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 for sure yep so electronic records indicated that but the, but, but also in doing all of these things, he's this person has now done so much that it's now clear to anybody who's not even a trained police officer that it was somebody who worked there as a security guard. Yeah, it, yep. it, it, it you've 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 covered your track so much that it points in the direction of you because of how good the job was. Yeah, you know, I mean that's obvious. Yeah. Um. So electronic records indicated that the intruder opened the vault door at nine forty eight a.m. At that time, six vault employees were on duty processing cash deliveries. The intruder demanded that the employees cover their eyes and lie on the floor. Mm. He ordered the senior vault manager, David Baranko, to fill a satchel with cash from the workstation. Before leaving the scene, the assailant forced the tellers to crawl into a small room near the vault, otherwise known as the man trap. The robber made his escape at 9.56 a.m. According to Electric Electronic records leaving the tellers locked in the man trap. Using a broken spoon found on the man trap's door sill, the tellers for the tellers freed themselves approximately twenty minutes after the robbery. Okay. So prior he to locked them in there with a spoon, like he put it on the latch or something. I guess. Yeah. Okay. And then it took them a little bit, but they they popped that. They popped it open and got out. Okay. Twenty minutes later, after I feel like most of that twenty minutes was them was them deciding whether or not that person was still it's gone because yeah, it yeah. was just a spoon. Yeah, <laughs> it was more of like the fear of who wants to be the first person to kick the door open in case he's still here. Yeah, I'm gonna just wait. And, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna gonna wait I'm waiting until the police come and get us. Yeah, because I don't want to <laughs> be the. Moving. I'm not gonna. I'm letting people know now. If you're flying on a plane with me, if we're in some kind of hostage situation, don't look over at me like the black dude. Like, hey man, you want to? You and me, we go rush the, the terrorists on the plane. It ain't gonna be me. Look at somebody else, and if you want to be the person that's going to rush the bank robber, mm-hmm. look at somebody else, because it ain't going to be me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sit here in this corner and... And shit your pants. And, yeah, yep, and play it cool. Yeah. <laughs> and if anything, I'm looking for a way to get out, out avoiding conflict. In a plane? Not in a plane. In a plane, in a, in a plane, let me take that back. In a plane, if the person has a weapon and they've made their intentions clear that they're going to like blow the plane up or something like that, I don't take my chances. But yeah. like a robbery type situation... I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be the first person to, to to rally people and be like, you know what? He can't shoot all of us. That's never going to, I'm never going to be the dude giving that speech where it's like, that's a Glock nine. He's only got 12 bullets. It's 20 of us. He can't shoot us all. Shoot. I'm, it's not going to be me that, ru- <laughs> that rushes first. Yeah. Uh, so prior to, prior to leaving the scene, the robber collected all, collected all the spent shell casings that he had, that had been removed oh, from wow. his revolver after firing. This is a hit man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's covering his tracks. Yeah, clean up his fucking gun shells and that's, bullet shells. That's wild. Yeah, um, that's an extra level of detail. That's 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 scary. Yeah, and them just go all over the place. Yeah, and he shot eighteen bullets. 
<laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, the only physical evidence he left behind was the 18 bullets he fired. So the ones that were in the, the people. Yeah. yeah, yep. yeah. Um, the surviving bank employees said the man appeared to be in his late 50s or 60s, wearing a, wearing a gray sports coat, a white shirt, a multicolored necktie, um, oh, blue, he was in like a he was in like a suit. Let me finish. Let me let me finish. A multicolored necktie, blue or gray slacks, a brown fedora hat, a mirrored and mirrored gl- sunglasses, and had a bandage on his left cheek. What year was this? <laughs> this is night ninety one. He came in with the Tommy gun. This sounds like man, man. See, they step out of a time machine. You said he had on a fedora hat a and, fedora a, and a hat, and a man. colorful tie, a colorful necktie with some blue or gray slacks, with some mirrored sunglasses, so you can't see his eyes. Uh huh. Yep, and a bandage on his left cheek. Oh, he came in there dressed like the mask. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Had to pipe the door down. Yeah. Did they say anything about the casings that he took because he shot his name in the wall as he left? (laughs) (laughs) Tell everybody it was the Sundance kid. He shot his name in the wall and he left. He probably picked those casings up too. Yeah, probably. Uh, (laughs) The ensuing police investigation involved more than 40 FBI agents and two dozen detectives. A lot of people. This was like one of the the largest manhunts yeah and this was in um denver so it was like one of the largest manhunts in history wow wow yeah investigators were baffled as to why the robber never filled the entire satchel with cash mm, probably do some all kind this, of rule or something something he knew you something do, you do all this but you don't feel you don't get as much as you can grab yeah you've told me so much crazy detail that i'm like he must have the weight of the bag it was something, it was something, something to do with like, less time or something something crazy like that if i take Half a satchel, one foot, whatever. They do a great thing with that. I don't know if you've seen it, but you should watch it. The movie Widows starring Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, uh, how much, how, like, they when you're dealing with money to a, at a certain volume of money, you're not worried about how much money it is. It's like, how much does $2 million weigh? So they were trying to figure out, because it was four, it was four women, yeah. how much can you carry in a big duffel bag? And they mm-hmm. were like, this is $3 million. And it's like, oh, that's too much. Okay, yeah. So get a smaller bag and put two million dollars in that or whatever, and can we carry it? So it's dealing with that kind of stuff. That's, that's a cool. That's a cool movie. That's crazy. Um. So yeah, they was baffled by why he didn't fill his whole satchel with money and mm-hmm. only stole approximately two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's not even a lot of money yeah. to kill four people yep. and do all of this. Yeah, which is a mere ten percent of more than two million dollars available in the cash room and vault. That is weird. That's a lot of work for a quarter million. That is a very strategic plan for you to only get two hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely, nah. I feel like I could, I could, I could stumble through a bank robbery and get more money than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the amount of work that he put in to get two hundred thousand dollars, it feels like a waste. Well, maybe it was. I only need this. I don't need. Might have been a crime of desperation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was only going for what he needed for him to get by or whatever. Interesting. To deal with. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So they also did not understand why he murdered the four guards, but yeah. left the other bank employees un- unharmed. Right. Since the guards were unarmed and did not present any more of a threat. Could have just tied them up. Yeah. Um, a threat than the other employees at the scene. Mm-hmm. So police quickly determined a man could have not been. Police quickly determined the man could have not been Vice President Robert Bardwell. Mm-hmm. The, the name the robber used to gain entry to the freight elevator right. as the real Bardwell was vacationing in the mountains with his family at the time. Mm. So I he, didn't think that was him anyway. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he knows he that knows. person's name yeah. tells me again he used to work there or yeah. something. Um, from, the be- 
from the beginning of the robbery investigation. Do you know the Postmaster General's name off the top of your head right now? No, because they change so much. Oh, okay. It's never like one. Not like a one, one, a one term for a forever. Yeah, they Got. in and out. Got Since it. I've only been in like five years, it's been like five. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like if you don't get they get your ass out of there. Yeah. It's my aunt from Seattle or something. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, from the beginning of the robbery investigation, authorities suspected the killer, that the killer was associated in some way with the bank. Of, of course. Yeah. There were also some suspicions um, that the robber may have been a police officer due to having fired 18 rounds. A standard load carried by officers on duty. Didn't know that. 18 rounds? Yeah. Okay. Inve- investigators questioned current and former bank employee employees unit narrowing, narrow, narrowing their search to James King, mm. a retired Denver police officer and a former guard at the bank. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. After retiring from the Denver Police Department in 1986. So that means he's up in age. Yep. King worked as a part-time guard in the bank between 1989 and 1990. That's prime suspect. Leaving the job 10 months before the robbery. Mm. King and his wife had declared bankruptcy a year Mm. after he retired from the force. Mm. Yep. And still had substantial debt in 1991, Mm. including $25,000 in credit card bills. Well, $200,000 to clear that right up. Yeah. King was arrested. On the evening of July 4th, 1991. You got arrested on 4th of July. Yeah, 1991. He probably was cooking some weenies, you know, fireworks going off, probably had some American flag swim shorts on. Yeah. And they came and scooped him up from the crib that he just paid off all the the debt on? Yep. Damn. So a search of his, a search of his house found no physical evidence connecting him to the robbery. Mm. The only suspicious thing found were a detailed map of the bank Very building suspicious. interior and a folder marked plans and five <laughs> what why wouldn't you burn he did all of this and he kept that in the house oh no nah, man yeah you gotta go to jail plans come on man come on plans oh man it's like people it's like when we do these stories we've done a couple stories where people are so detailed yeah so strategic and it's one low ass thing. Why just... wouldn't you do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you burn that that night? It's Fourth of July. It's fires everywhere. Just go throw your little envelope into a, one of these bonfires that's happening in your neighborhood. Yeah. Or long before that, do yeah. it. Yeah. Plans. Yes. Yeah. So he had the bank building interior and folder and a folder marked plan. A folder marked plans. Plans and and five ID and five phony ID cards. Oh yeah, he did that. Yep. Containing yeah. containing King King's picture with um different aliases. Oh wow. These phony ID cards will be suppressed by a judge and not included as evidence in his trial. Yep. Okay. Well, yep. All right. On grounds that it was never established King had ever used them in any illegal activity, nor could they connect, nor could they be connected in any way to the robbery and murders. That's a good lawyer. Because that's, we- that's weird. Yeah. Let me, let me. That's weird on. to have those. Yep. So a jury of seven men, five women, and two alternates were chosen on the morning of May 19th, 1992. The trial began the same day in the afternoon. So I want to read the prosecutor's, you know. Um, His final statements or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to read the defendant's Got it. cases. So five of the six surviving bank employees identified King as the robber. However, they only picked him out of a photo lineup on a second viewing after the police had drawn a hat and sunglasses over the faces <laughs> on, the <laughs> on the faces on the faces of the photo so they would 
they were resemble what uh-huh. the robber was wearing. Okay. Yep. <laughs> a map of the bank building interior had been found in King's house mm-hmm. inside a folder labeled plans. Yes. King had carried a 38 Colt, Colt tr- trooper as his service revolver when he was a police officer, which he kept after his retirement and also used it also used as his duty weapon when he worked at the bank. It was the same type of weapon used in a crime. Police had, had not found the weapon in King's house. I guess he got rid of the gun. How do you get rid of the gun but not the, the envelope labeled plans? I guess he just didn't think about it. Um, when asked where it was, King said he disposed of it because of a cracked cylinder. Oh, yeah, probably because he was letting those shots ring off in, <laughs> right. the, in that bank that night. Yep. Police also did not find King's Denver Police Department issue gun belt um, or speed loaders in his house. King said he had gotten rid of them since he no longer needed them mm. after leaving his job at the, as a bank guard. A likely story. When asked why he did not return them to the Denver Police Department when he retired, he said it was because no one there had told him to bring him back. Mm. So King was a former employee of the bank and thus allegedly understood the security systems. King shaved his mustache after the crime. King purchased a large, a larger safety deposit box the day after the crime. King got fitted for a zoot suit <laughs> and, a, and a fedora hat. Yeah, uh, FBI agent Lloyd Cubison testified the stolen money measured um, up to up to be one thousand nine one thousand nine hundred cubic inches, also the exact exact amount as the a thousand cubic inch capacity of King's new safety deposit box. See how money gets counted when you're dealing with big bills and shit. Yep. Like what? A thousand cubic inches? That's yep. two hundred thousand dollars or ish. That's crazy. That. Yeah. Um, implying King had deliberately stolen a specific amount of money that would fit in the box. Mm. Defense attorney Walter Garish uh, objected his testimony as wishful thinking, pointing out this did not factor in in other items police had found when they searched the box and and the dimensions of the money did not match the dimensions of the box. Mm. So when asked about where where he was during the robbery, King said he had gone to the Capitol Hill Community Center for a match with the Denver Chess Club. <laughs> okay. However, one of the employees there remembered seeing him or remembered anyone asking about chess match that day. And the Denver Chess Club had not held matches at the Capitol Hill Community mm. Center for years. Oh, I mean, like, not even a well thought out lie. <laughs> not even. Guess a well they didn't thought. think he was. They was gonna go find out and ask. Uh, seventeen of the seventeen of the robbers' eighteen shots hit his victims, implying that the robber was well trained with firearms. Mm-hmm. Bank Vi- Vice President Robert Bardwell, whose name had been used for the robbery, testified he had previously lost his bank ac- access card, mm. which he had reported missing on August thirteenth, nineteen ninety, which is a year before. Right. And James King had resigned from the bank on on August 12, 1990, mm, which is the day before that. Right. He also testified guards routinely patrolled by his office. 18 bullets fired the crime. 18 bullets fired at the crime scene came from five different brands of manufacturers. Mm. It was highly uh, unusual. Uh, uh, bullets? Yeah, it was okay. highly unusual for one gun used in one crime to fire so many different brands of bullets. He wanted people to think it was like multiple people probably. Yeah. Um uh, in the Denver police, it was a common practice for police to deposit spare rounds and bullet and bullet bullet buckets and mm-hmm. use those same buckets to load their duty weapons. Since King was a former Denver police officer and the Denver police used many different brands of ammo, this would explain why the robber's gun fired so many different ammo brands. Mm, he, just has, he just has some leftover ammo from when he was a police officer. That's crazy. Just, just get 
bullets and just throw yeah, them in there. I was and, giving him more credit than he deserved. I thought it was like he purposefully bought four different types of bullets so that they thought it was more than one person shooting people. You just had a bucket of bullets. Just, I just grabbed whatever I had. <laughs> whatever I had laying around. Get a handful and put them in there. Okay, so this is um, Walter Jerish and Scott Robinson defending King. So no physical evidence tied King to the crime. Mm-hmm. None of the witnesses to the crime reported the robber the robber was wearing gloves. Um, yet King's fingerprints were not found at the scene. Mm-hmm. The large safety deposit box King purchased at the crime was not found to contain anything incriminating. Mm-hmm. Eyewitnesses' identification was unreliable. Um, James King had plenty of visible moles on his face, yet none of the witness witnesses had mentioned moles on their initial description. Well, it's possible that they could have been distracted by like the big hat and the colorful tie and you know, the all of that, the sunglasses. Yeah. There's a lot going on. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, one of King's neighbors testified that she saw him mowing his lawn at the time of the bank was robbed. Mm. Probably paid her to say that. Yeah, uh, that's a likely story. And she yelled, and she yelled a Father's Day greeting to him. That's what she said. Mm. Yeah. So, after 53 hours of jury deliberating, of jury deliberation, King was acquitted of all charges. You're telling me this man walked free. Yep. So this is one of those situations where they go, well, we don't have any other leads. We don't know who else did it. Yep. And even though this guy fits the description perfectly and it makes complete total sense that it would be him, it wasn't him. But we don't have anybody else, but it wasn't him. This is yep. one of those situations? Yep. Wow. Yep. So they acquitted of him. Uh, King was acquitted of all charges. After the trial, FBI kept King under observation for years, Smart. hoping to find something they could charge him with that was not prevented by a double jeopardy procedure. But they found nothing. King lived what was described as a hermit's existence. I'm sure. Uh, at he his paid home. his house off, got his got his debt, got from underneath his debt, and then just sat in a rocking chair yep, for the rest of his yep, life. Yep, at his home at Jupiter Street. They put his old address out there, and this was in Colorado. So he died of dementia at a nearby hospice on May 21st, um, 2013, at the age of 77. Mm. His wife, who had stayed with him, died before him in 09. Mm. Four months after the verdict, Paul Yoakum died of a heart attack at 52. In 1997, King's attorney, Walter Jerish, along with Phil Godstein, published a book about the case entitled Murders in the Bank Vault, The Father's Day Massacre of Trial of James King. Here's the book if anybody interested. So the massacre as it stands, the bank robbery is currently an open case mm-hmm. with the Denver Police Department. And there is a hundred thousand dollar reward for anyone providing information that could lead to the capture and prosecution of a suspect. If anybody's interested, can I, can I call them and tell them that it if, was James King? If anybody's interested, uh, if you know any information, you can contact the Denver Police Department at one seven two zero nine one three two zero zero. All right. You can call them. But. Uh, call, just wanna... call, him, call him and let him know it was James, it was James Keen. <laughs> yeah, well, he's gone now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so the victims, as I want to do the victims' names, Philip Mankoff, who was 41, William mm-hmm. McCullum Jr., who was 33, um, Scott McCarthy and Todd Wilson, both of them was 21. Mm. Rest in peace to those guys just doing their job. Yeah, young. I don't know why wouldn't they let these guys have weapons, but... As a banks, if you were, if you're, I was going to say a security guard at GameStop, which they don't have, but if... If you were that at, at GameStop, I go, yeah, man, whatever. Or like when we used to work at Abercrombie, they, yeah. we would have like secret shoppers or or, yeah. or people like that who were, you know, qualified to be security type of people. Yeah. But a bank security guard not having a weapon is crazy. But what I mean, what would be the rules to change him from 
being armed to unarmed. Somebody shooting a person who wasn't a robber or or something like that probably. is would be my guess. Something went wrong where it was an unarmed robber or somebody they thought was a robber or somebody got clipped in the process of trying to shoot a robber. It was yeah. something and they sued. All the guards I see now have guns. They sit out front. They out front of the they out front. Oh, yeah, I've never been bank. into a bank. If I see somebody who's a security guard, they definitely have a gun on their hip. Yeah. I, I don't Yeah. Who who would who would take the job of being a bank security guard and not have a weapon? Because again, in the top five scenarios of in the top three scenarios of being person who's a bank security guard, mm-hmm. I would think, you know, on the list of those things would be like a dispute with the teller that yeah. you need to get them out of there, a fight over some money or a person coming in there with a gun and robbing the bank. Yeah. A person coming in there with a gun and robbing the bank is part of your job description. Yeah. I got to have a gun. Yeah. I'm not taking that job. No, thank you. Without a gun? Or you're saying period? Without a gun, period. I'm not I'm, taking I a gun. I thought you were saying like you, you wouldn't take the job either way. Oh, no. If no. I need a job, I, I need a job. job. But if it's like we don't do guns, it's like, well, then I, you don't do me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not working. And we had five past robberies. In yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it's like, no, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> they think that y'all, are the pla- y'all are the place to steal on. Y'all are, pla- yeah. y'all are sweet. Yeah. That's why, that's why y'all they keep hitting the, yeah, yeah. That's why I keep getting hit. No, like, oh, they don't even have... They don't even have guns in there. Yeah. You go right in there and just, fl- I had, I went in there and Separate them with, all. I had a fake gun and got yeah. some money. Just nah. separate them all. Just be on your hitman shit. You fucking take one out and change the outfit. Yeah. Walk oh. around like a guard. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, what, that's that what James King did. Yeah, that was the Father's Day uh, Bank Massacre. Um, I think he did it. I believe you think he did it, but. Yeah, for sure. We'll never know. It's one of those kind of things where OJ got acquitted. And now, all these years later, everybody goes, he definitely killed those people. That guy's hilarious. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, hey, it's OJ here. Uh, <laughs> like, he just, he gives, his info, he gives his input about everything. All these riots going on, it's crazy, man. Be careful. Police are wild. Yeah. They'll kill you. And don't kill people. Yes. What? <laughs> Who are you to fucking <laughs> throw, glass at, throw stones at glass houses? He didn't do it, man. He didn't, he didn't do, do what? He didn't do it. Man, listen. OJ <laughs> Simpson, he got acquitted when he got acquitted. And it's like, it makes perfect sense that it was OJ. We've, we're pretty sure he was there. His flight that he took, like, he was still in town when they got killed. But it wasn't him. But we don't have another suspect. So even though all this stuff lines up for it to be him, it wasn't him. And we don't know We don't know who it was. Yeah. And that's this. It's like, he used to work there. He's a trained police officer. The police officers used to just use a bucket of bullets. And yeah. he, all the bullets were different that were used. And all of these different type of things, but it wasn't him. But it wasn't. But we don't. Ha- we don't have any physical evidence, and we don't have any other suspects. Yeah, it, it wasn't him, but we don't know who it was. Yeah. even though he fits so much, he's acquitted, and so it's just a. It'll. It's a case that'll never be solved. Nope. No matter. You can make that reward five hundred thousand dollars. Ain't nobody getting found because uh-huh. there's nobody to find. Yeah. That's crazy. He had the dream team. James King. No, I, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> From what you told me in their little defense at the end, it didn't sound like they put up that much of it. It was like, hey, there's no physical evidence here. And, and they said that yeah. they, nobody said they saw him with gloves on. Yep. Now, admittedly, the funny thing about um, them drawing a hat and glasses on a picture of that guy, of James Keene, that's funny. And then, oh, I would, not I would as use, him. That's yeah, him. Oh, I, would, I would use that as my defense, too. Yeah. Like if, you, if you draw a hat and glasses on, on anybody, anybody <laughs> that, that they all of a sudden look like the guy that had hat and glasses on and, and robbed the place. That's what we're going. You guys, jury. Yeah. That's what we're going off of yep. here. They drew a hat and glasses yep. on my client. <laughs> Need I say more? And they just do a Everybody rhyme. Go, oh, well, yeah, it's like, well, that's a good point. Good point. Why would you draw a hat and glasses on him yeah. if it, you know? I mean, 
That that's why would you? Do? That is weird. And he had moles. Nobody can point out the moles yeah. on his face. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I would like to bring in some latex gloves and ask some of the people who were witnesses at the bank. Did it look like they saw these? Yeah. Hold the hands up. <laughs> did anybody see blue latex gloves yeah. on my on, on a person that was robbing the bank? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't see any gloves. So I mean, there would probably be fingerprints there. It's like, no, there's no fingerprints there. <laughs> there there are no fingerprints. Shut them all there. up. <laughs> There are no fingerprints there, but nobody's saying they saw gloves. Yeah. So my client's fingerprints would be there because the person who was robbing the place didn't have gloves on. I feel like I could do that though. I can get up there and defend him with that. Yeah, I mean they, they had a, they had <laughs> enough stuff that if you're a good, it wasn't the it wasn't Johnny right, Cochran yeah, level yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they there was some holes there that can be exploited if you're a decent lawyer. Yeah. Just hit on them hard. Yeah. And just make it sound stupid, like yep. guys. Here's I'm gonna say it once for the fifth time. Come on. They drew a hat and sunglasses on my client. Yeah. I rest my case. Yep. Um so James Keene definitely did he that. Did it. Yeah, yeah, he did that. He definitely <laughs> sure. did that. Uh, is that all the updates we have? He died. Yeah, he and, died. That was yeah. it. So, it's still open if you want to go. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be oh, give him the number one more time, Fran. <laughs> I don't even know if the number even maybe, works. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe hey, maybe we'll be the people to solve this case. I don't think it's gonna get solved. I think it's gonna be open forever. But yeah. just hear- just contact the Denver Police Department. It's a hundred thousand dollars with your name on. If you know any, uh, if you got any things that can lead to, yeah, yeah. uh huh. But you got the number? Uh, one seven two zero nine one three two zero. Hey man, hold on. Can we get some phone etiquette? We <laughs> <laughs> get some bum bum ba bum bum ba bum ba. Yeah, <laughs> one seven two three four. Uh, seven six. When you did it in the story, I was like, nobody's gonna catch that. So I wanted to give you another chance. You just did it. Uh, one seven six four three seven three four five uh seven six. <laughs> I don't know. If the, I don't even know this number even works, man. But it's still a phone number. One seven two. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's one. Yeah, it's, it's probably one. That's the seven two zero. There you go. That's what you got. Nine one three two zero zero zero. Okay, seven two zero nine one three two zero zero zero. Yeah. Okay. No, what? That's not right. So what'd you say again? One? Okay, yeah, sure. Seven two, Don't worry about the one. Two, seven, <laughs> the one is throwing you off. 702-720-913-2000. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you came out the gates hot. I was like, okay, cool. All right, so yeah, if you guys got any tips or any uh, suspicions, yeah. you know, call that number and see if you can get your hands on that uh, reward money. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to we'll do just is- call and say James King did it. Or just do, because that's what happened. You call them and see what they maybe they maybe they just need somebody to remind them, yeah. and then you'll get the reward money. It might be the easiest hundred thousand, maybe a hell of a lick. You know, yeah. uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back, friend. It is my turn to give you my latest affirmative murder. Uh, this week, I wanted to do a more systemic affirmative murder. And talk about the Tuskegee experiments. Okay. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> so the, the Tuskegee experiment began in 1932 at a time when there was no known treatment for syphilis. After being recruited by the promise of free medical care, 600 men were originally enrolled in the project. The participants were primarily sharecroppers and many had never before visited a doctor. In their life. What? They had never seen a doctor ever. Was that like common then? Yeah, I mean, yes. It's 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 1932, and you know, we're coming off of um emancipation of slavery, mm-hmm. but you're in that in-between time of Jim Crow 
where people like in 1932, your parent or your grandparent was probably a slave. Yeah. And slaves didn't go to the hospital. Yeah. Or get proper medical treatment or anything like that. So it's like we don't that's not meant for us. We don't go to doctors. Dang. That was just the that was just the word. The, <laughs> it's no as fucked up as shit is right now. It really kind of was no better time to be born black in America, man. Yeah. It really, really, it really wasn't. If we're just speaking honestly, man, like 1932 is like, I've never been to a doctor. You get sick, you just heal or you don't. Yeah. It's just, it's just, that was just the world for some. Yeah. And for others, it was, no, it was great. Go to the doctor. I am a doctor. You got Whatever. the money, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The money and the privilege. Yeah. Because, yeah. you, you know, it wasn't even just about money. It was a whole a bunch of different other factors, you know. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so some of them have never even visited a doctor. Doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service, also known as the PHS, which was running the study, informed the participants, 399 of whom were, had, uh, had latent syphilis, and a control group of 201 others who were free of the disease. How do you get syphilis? It's a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, okay, I figured that, okay. Yeah, so they had, 300, they, they had 399 men who had syphilis and 201 men who didn't have syphilis. That mm-hmm. was their control group to kind of compare. They were, it was all a study. Yeah. They informed these men that uh, they were being treated for bad blood, a term commonly used in the area at the time to refer to a variety of ailments. So if you were sick, they just go, oh, you got bad blood. You know, okay. that's, that's what's wrong with you. The men were monitored by health workers, but only given placebos such as aspirin and mineral supplements, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that penicillin became the recommended treatment for syphilis in 1947. Mm. So even after they knew what the cure to syphilis was, they still wanted to see what syphilis did to a human body. So they continued with their experiment of giving them just fake treatments. With for 300 people, 600, people, 600 people can do that with one. No, you gotta have a you gotta have a large case study. Two? No, <laughs> six hundred apparently. Jeez. It had to be three hundred ninety nine people who had it, two hundred one people who didn't have it, who you infected with it to see how they oh shit how they deal with it. So, um, uh, PHS researchers convinced local physicians in Macon County, which is where Little Richard is from, not to treat the participants. Was it? I'm sorry. Was there money involved? Yeah, it okay. was. It was right. today. It would be like doing a survey yeah. or t- trying out a shampoo or something like that, you know, something like that. Okay. But yeah, it was a it was a medical study. They promised them healthcare. Okay, if they did this experiment, um, that's it. Man, people were dropping dead. All kind of shit. Healthcare was probably healthcare is a big deal now. Yeah. People are still people are still begging for healthcare now. So yeah, healthcare is kind of it's a big deal. You know, it's 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 your health. You know, can't spend money if you're not alive. Yeah, true. You got a little bit of time. Health over wealth, man. Um, so yeah, uh, the physicians informed the they were informed not to treat the participants, and research was done at the Tuskegee at the Tuskegee Institute, now called Tuskegee University. The school was founded in nineteen in eighteen eighty one, where Booker T. Washington was the first teacher. Mm-hmm. In order to track the disease's full progression, researchers provided no effective care as the men died. Mm went blind or insane or experienced other severe health problems due to their untreated syphilis. Damn. So they just let these people progress through syphilis and just take notes on what they were experiencing as syphilis rotted their body away. That's crazy. And it was all in the name of, you know, science. So everybody just, body just, you know, just reacted different to it. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to see if some people were immune to it or 
you know, if there were other treatments to be done other than what was known to do to get the job done, which was penicillin, mm-hmm. or if they just wanted to see what would happen. You know, is the only thing I can. They just wanted to kind of see like what is dying of syphilis look like. Yeah. Um. In the mid-1960s, a PHS venereal disease investigator in San Francisco named Peter Buxton found out about the... Now, it's 1960s. This this started in 1932. Yeah. So this is 30 years into this whole thing, yeah. and this guy comes along named Peter Buxton and is like, what the fuck is... What are you guys... What is this? But what they had this? a cure in 47. 1947. Yeah. Penicillin. So this guy comes along he's like... Wait, what are you guys? What is this? Yeah. What are we trying to figure out here? He works at the he works for the PHS, but he's like confused. And um he expressed his concerns to his superiors that this was unethical to do. Yeah. Uh in response, PHS officials formed a committee to review the study, but ultimately opted to continue it. Mm. For what reason I still don't really know why that didn't come up in my research of like what was the end result? What were they trying to figure out? Yeah. Because it's like you, the cure was it was discovered that penicillin will get rid of syphilis in 1947. So what are you trying to figure out? It's not like a game. It's a it's, game. Right? It, it does sound like that. Anyway, so they formed a whole ass committee due to Peter Buxton. And the committee was like, no, nah, no, nah, keep it going. It's fine. Yeah. Shut up, man. And um, with the goal. OK, so they had the goal was to track. The goal, wait, the goal of tracking the participants and oh, this is why they wanted to keep the study going. Okay. So they they opted to keep the study going with the goal of tracking the participants until all had died. Autopsies were performed and the project data could be analyzed. 600 people. 600 people. Keep in mind it's, nine, so it's been 30 years, so people already started dropping off and, yeah. and dying. So they they the 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 goal as of 1960 of the 1960s was to let these people die. And then that's a part of the data collection too. Examine them, see why they died, and all. that was all a part of it for them. Did you see how long some of them lived? Or it varied. It varied. Okay. Some people, some people died um, of syphilis. Some people died of other complications due to syphilis. It, it, okay. it was a variation of different things. Some people lived, you know, the last guy, which I'll get to in the story. Okay, he, cool. He died in like 2013. Oh shit! So somebody lived, lived through it, but they didn't. And what 2013? Yeah, he couldn't take uh, penicillin. Uh... Well, it was just something I think else. it might be a thing like, um, and I could be wrong. I don't know anything about venereal diseases, but Sierra um, has a, a, a disease that if you treat it, when you get it, you can get rid of it. But she's now had it for so long that it you can't just take, you know, uh, an, a, antibiotics and so it goes away. Like too late. Or? Yeah, it's okay. like it's been it's it's spread so much into your body that that one little you got to take that when you get it. Gotcha. Now it's become it's so much a part of you. It's been in you for so long. Yeah, that's my guess. Maybe he did get uh, penicillin eventually, but I don't know. He died. He died. He didn't die of uh, of, um, of syphilis in 2013. Yeah. He was like 80 years old or something. He died of that. He died of old age. Hope he enjoyed his life. Oh, so. well. I know. I'll get. To, I'll get to. I'll get to a lot of things, okay. and and we'll talk about that. I, I mean, I hope he enjoyed his life too. But we'll get to some of the things to why I had some frustrations about some things. So they basically wanted to see what it looked like when these people died, and that was a part of their study as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why they wanted to keep the study going even 30 years later after this guy Peter Buxton was like, this is weird. But as a result of them keeping the experiment going, Peter Buxton decided to leak his story to a reporter friend who passed it on to a fellow reporter named Gene Heller of the Associated Press. 
Heller broke the story in July of 1972, prompting public outrage and forcing the study to be shut down. Good. But they it only shut down because of it they got to the public out. and it was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, who knows how long they would have kept it going if it, you know, they would have still been monitoring these people and waiting for them to die. Um, so they shut that so down. So was it in a, was it in a, um, some type of lab or I don't. It was in Tuskegee, Alabama at Tuskegee University. But where were or they keeping it? the patients? They weren't keeping them. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming part of the deal was you got to come, come back, in every six test. months for a okay, checkup yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, something like that. Uh, so by that time, which was 1972, 28 participants had perished from syphilis. 100 more had passed away from related complications, and at least 40 spouses had been diagnosed with it. And the disease had been passed on to 19 children at birth. Damn, I'm thinking, I was thinking like they like strapped in the beds or something. And they, was oh, like they didn't let them go anywhere. No, yeah. I think it was like give them syphilis and just let them go live their life and and have them come back and we'll monitor them and keep statistics and see how much it spreads or any, I think that was all part of it. I'm sure. So they, like just, it was in your bloodstream and so like AIDS. Yeah, but not as serious as AIDS syphilis. I don't really know the details of what syphilis does, but apparently you can go blind and crazy from syphilis. So I, I would, I would crazy. say it might be closer to like a rabies type of thing. Maybe it's a disease that gets to the brain eventually. Like that's the big fear of rabies. Cause once rabies gets in your brain, you, you can't, it, you're, you're, you, they have to, you have to, they have to kill you. That's why, like, that's the worst fear for like rabies to get into humans. Rabies, don't you? How you get rabies? From, like, getting bit by rabbit animals, animals, rabbit animal bites, and then not getting treated in time. Mm. But if it gets to your brain, it's over. There's no cure for rabies, and you will go insane. Now, I don't know if um, syphilis is that serious where you're you're dangerous. I want to know what the definition of insane is. Well, rabies, you become ra- you're 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 you're, you're you're out of your mind. Like you're you're in a pan. You're in a hysteria. You're in a state of hysteria. Like you are, kill people. I don't know. Possibly, if you ever look on go on YouTube, they got videos of people who have like old footage from black and white footage of people being in like mental hospitals who have rabies. So it's pretty. It's pretty. Hole, I don't want to go down. It's, no, thank I've you. been in down a lot of rabbit holes because you get oh. you get hydrophobia when you um get rabies, so you can't drink water, so you just die slow. It's really you look them up. Why? Because I'm interested in what rabies. I was interested in what rabies does to humans. It's depressing. Can't do nothing. It's educational, man. Sometimes education is depressing. Anyways, uh, so uh, you know, all these people got infected, spouses, children, everything like that. And in 1973, Congress Congress held hearings on the Tuskegee experiments. And the following year, the study's surviving participants, along with the heirs of those who had died, received a ten million dollar out of court settlement. Damn. Now you say damn, right? Keep in mind, there were 600 people in, people involved, right? I told you that a, like 28 participants had died from syphilis and 100 more had died from comp, com, related complications. Mm-hmm. So it was 600 in total. So you subtract 128 from that and then... Did you do the math? Huh? Did you do the math? I did do the math. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll do the math again right now because the number that I got was about 513. Once you, once, you t- once you subtract who died and then add like spouses and yeah. kids who had syphilis and things like that, I, I just rounded it up to... 513 and then you divide 10 million dollars by that and that's about that's about eighteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Oh, that ain't enough that's at all that's what i'm saying even in 1970s it's like you know i'm not saying give them all 10 million dollars a piece but get sure. it was a class action lawsuit and they pro- i assume yeah I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't 10 million dollars a piece this would be a much bigger story in american history it would, it would be less buried if uh, every, it was a 200 million dollar lawsuit or something like yeah. that they gave 
they gave 500 people $10 million to split up. So everybody got like a down payment on a house. And so, you know, and then called it a day. Because if you take the money, that's it. Don't talk about it anymore. It's over with. It's yeah. done. Yeah, if you agree to it, yeah. So they And they did. Uh, additionally, new guidelines were issued to protect human, be- human subjects in the U.S. government in U.S. government-funded research projects. So there was new rules set in place, like you can't like give people diseases and study them because of this. But up until this point, I guess you could. Um, but yeah, $18,000 is nothing. Yeah. For, for what they did to these people, that's insane. In 1947, the Nuremberg Code was established in, in response to Nazi physicians. Again, that's what? another rabbit hole to go down. So again, in 1940, so there were rules put in place in, in Nazi Germany after World War II that would demonize what these people were experiencing up until 1972. Yeah. So the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Code, because the Nuremberg trials were, I mean, they were, I mean, they were doing some despicable things to those Jewish people in those camps. Man, they were trying mm-hmm. to make their eyes blue. They were trying blue. to, yeah, like they were trying to. So they were like putting needles in their eyes. They were trying to. Um, just doing a lot of trying to genetic code they're like people who were alive and all these kind of things it was a lot of um what's the word i'm looking for um eugenics it was a lot of eugenics going on like they were doing really dark experimental type of things to human bodies in nazi germany but they were also doing that kind of stuff here in the united states to black people so yeah but anyway so Nuremberg Code was established in 1947 in response to Nazi physicians forcibly performing gruesome experiments on prisoners in concentration camps during World War II. The document set forth basic ethical principles for medical research involving human subjects, such as requiring, requiring that a person must give informed consent before participating in an experiment. So these people involved in the Tuskegee experiments, they didn't really know what they were doing. They just were promised uh, medical help. Or, or medical, what, did I, what was the word I used? Healthcare. Yeah, they were promised healthcare, and it was like, oh, whatever. And then 299 of them were like, or however, 300, however many were like, well, I already have it. I don't really know what it is, but, yeah. you know, I already have it. And then the other 299 were like, oh, you're going to give it to me, but then you're going to give me medical care for this and other stuff? That's cool. That's fine. And they had, But they really didn't know what they were signing up That's for. That's fucked up, man. As a result of the Tuskegee experiment, many African-Americans developed a lingering deep mistrust for public health officials. The Tuskegee experiment, the Tuskegee experiments weren't the, the first example of medical institutions using black bodies as lab rats. And the, and the history of mistreatment, dismissiveness and overall exploitation has resulted in a mentality of home remedies and superstition superseding medical assistance because there is a genuine belief that hospitals are not uh are not only world shatteringly expensive, but a place that you go in that you come out of worse off than when you went into. This is what things like the Tuskegee experiment Mm -hmm. and just overall um, mistreatment and disbelief and all these things that have happened to black people when they've gone into the medical field has resulted in black people being like, Oh, you got a cold drink some ginger ale. This sounds like uh, something they would do for like sickle cell or something. They might. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I brought that topic up once before as far as like sickle cell oh, seeming to be like a black disease. Yeah. But and then there's like a, somebody told me there's like something that mostly Jewish people get or something like that. But there's no proof that sickle cell is some kind of black disease, even though mostly black people get sickle cell. But my point is experiments like this. Um, there was a time where um, slave bodies were used for experiments postmortem. They would just try stuff out on black bodies 
there's a history of it in this country, especially when we didn't have human rights, when we were saw as like a third of a person or whatever. That history has it's been passed on. And then you get to a point where it's like my grandmother's like, oh, no, I don't. People die in hospitals. You know, this is a real black people have a very superstitious black people, for the most part, don't feel like a hospital is somewhere that you go to get help. It's like, no, no, no. My cousin, when they have all, it's all these anecdotal stories. You talk to any kind of elderly person in your family. They're like, oh, my brother went to the hospital one time. He woke up and his foot was gone. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's like all kind or they, of or they go uh yeah don't go to don't go to uh John F uh something yeah. don't go to that hospital because you won't come out of there yeah like, it's what? That, what? yeah it's very much a fear but this fear is not it's not uh, paranoia it's from a history of actual events and things that have transpired to give people pause to trusting the way that the medical industry will treat them yeah something bit me on my legs like a spider that. I don't know mosquito oh okay oh. sorry about that okay no problem. <laughs> So uh, as a result of these things, in many cases, when black people have the same diseases as their white counterparts, mm -hmm. blacks are much more likely to die sooner. For instance, mm -hmm. blacks are three times more likely to die of asthma than white Americans. Blacks have spent what? blacks have a 25 percent higher cancer death rate than white counterparts. What black, is this like recent study? Yeah. This is, yeah. Black women have a 20 percent higher, uh, higher cancer death rate than white women. Black people tend to have tend to develop chronic chronic diseases earlier in life and overall have shorter life expectancies when compared to their whites compared to their white counterparts. Now I will say a part of that is, you know, black people don't listen to we don't go see dietitians or or we don't we don't get we don't get um uh like annual healthcare services. Like mm -hmm. you go to the hospital when you got to go to the hospital. So a lot of black people, especially inner city black people, um eating terrible food, living in food deserts, not knowing anything about nutrition, just yeah. eating food from recipes passed down from generations, you know, yeah. a lot of carbs and sweets and sugar and salts and all these kind of things. And you only go to the hospital when something feels wrong, as opposed to if you go to the hospital every year and the, and the, the physician goes, well, your, um, your blood sugar is high, yeah. so you need to work on that. If you only go to the hospital when you have a heart attack or when you you know, feel your left arm is numb or you break something or if, if the, the hospital's only purpose is the emergency room, then you are you are depriving yourself of information to treat yourself to have a longevity of life and make better decisions. Yeah. Exactly. But that comes from a, a, a an ingrained fear that comes from a place of truth that says, oh, these people are not they don't have your best interest in mind. So yeah. don't go to the, don't go to the, I don't even want to be here now. I broke my foot. I have to be here. They made me come. Yeah. Even when you have to go or it's like, that's expensive as hell. I can't afford to go. My arm hurts a little bit. It's fine. You're having a whole ass heart attack. Yeah. Like, oh no, the ambulance come. That's thousands of dollars. I can't afford, I can't afford to not die. Go to the hospital and let, if they, let them bill you. That's easy to say. I mean, I don't know. Do, know? They, do they just kick you out? I don't know. No, they have to. They oh, okay. have to help you. All right. But I mean, that's easy to say until them bill collectors are calling you and they're like, you owe us $20,000. Are you alive? What did you just say not too long ago? That's a, that's facts. I'm, that's facts. I'm just, don't act like I'm making something up. I mean, you I'm know you know how black people are. We're two black people. I know how my, I know yeah, how I'm, my grandparents are. I, know how I hate the hospital, but I go every year. That's a different type of hate. Hating and fearing are two completely different things. I hate getting needles and shit like that, but I'll go to the doctor and get my fucking, you know, booster shots or whatever the fuck you're supposed to get when you're a kid and whatever you get with your flu shots and all that kind of shit like that. Yeah. There's some people, I know people who have never gotten a flu shot, never gotten any of this. They just don't go to the hospital. Not, they don't go to the doctor. They don't have a doctor. Yeah. You know, that's so, of course, life expectancy in the, in, 
for black people overall is going to go down if you don't even know you're unhealthy until yeah. the until the worst Last case minute. scenario yeah. happens. Yeah, 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 you know, forty years of eating macaroni and cheese and sweet potatoes and cakes and pies and all this kind of stuff, and then you have a heart attack. But there's been no doctor along the way to tell you, hey, man, your heart rate is this. This is high. This is you got to cut down on this. It's like I don't trust any of them and I can't afford to go. It's delicious, though. It is so good, man. <laughs> it's so good. I, t- I, t- I, tell C- I tell Sierra all the time. It's like, man, because she didn't know the whole thing of black people being like white people don't season their food. Yeah. yeah. And as being as somebody who has dated outside of their race and all that kind of stuff. And you go to people's houses and like, what today we're having green bean casserole. And you're like, this doesn't really, this doesn't really taste good. <laughs> yeah. But. They don't got a whole bunch of salt in their food. So that adds to part of the reason why they might, along with all the other stressful yeah, yeah. things that black people have to deal with, our diets are usually pretty unhealthy as well. And white people are just eating the, pretty much just pulling tomatoes out of the ground and just eat them. Yeah. They don't I put mean, salt on them or yeah. sugar. Or, you know, they don't season the food. I'll die. These kids were like horrible. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, chip. you ate a box of uh, Rice Krispies. Often. <laughs> regularly. Regularly. And now as an adult, when I know, as I know what calories are and things like yeah, that, yeah. I go, I would eat like four of those little Rice Krispie <laughs> treats a day. And that's like a, the allotted calories that you're supposed to have for a day. And I would eat dinner and yeah. stuff, too. I mean, you ate so many that you don't even like touch them. You don't even look at them. Yeah, know? yeah. I, I, I treat it like it was heroin or something like that. Like I, I had to wean myself off of it and never so touch it again. Yeah. I can't even casually have a Rice Krispie treat or I will go into a full blown um manic state and just yeah. eat a whole bunch of rice krispie treats. So I I don't even let myself, you know, I'll go to the the um the gas station or something, they might yeah. have my friend, I go, No. Nah. I'm stronger than this. <laughs> I won't let myself succumb to then I get one, then I get two, I'm coming back. <laughs> Next thing you know, it, my car is covered in rice krispie tree wrappers and you know it can get well, ugly, huh? Yeah, it can get it can go bad. You know, then you black out, you wake up in a parking lot, you know, it's wow. just weird shit happening. So I don't even let myself go down that road. Yeah. But yes, no, I I am a person who grew up I was a latchkey kid. Yeah. My mom, my mom made dinners for me and all that kind of stuff, but it was not the most nutritional stuff. It was it was hamburger helper, yeah. and, and, yep. and, and it was whatever we had to yep. eat to get by. It was hot dogs and beans. It was whatever, and it tastes good and it gets you by. But there's no sustenance in those things, yeah. and you don't realize how unhealthy you are until you wake up one day and you go, "Oh, I have type two diabetes." Yeah, you know what I mean. It has to get to that point. It really has to get to that point where it's there's something is wrong with you because of a. a a, a history of doing things that you didn't even know were bad decisions. Yeah. And now we're here at this point yeah. and you have diabetes or you have hypertension or any of these kind of, kind of things. It could be too late. It could be too late, but yeah. that comes from, Oh no, the doctor, like they'll kill you or that's cost too much money. I can't go to the doctor, yeah. you know, but that comes, that's it. There's a history there. It's not just black people just being like, Oh no, fuck that. It's it, there's, there's history to it. Yeah. Everything has context, man. I don't like when people want to talk about, what's happening right now about anything and don't want to talk about the history that got us here. Yeah. When you want to talk about absentee fathers and what's going on in the black community and black on black crime, and you don't want to talk about the crack epidemic and the war on drugs and, and cocaine cowboys and the government, the CIA bringing drugs into this country illegally and bringing guns into this country illegally and flooding these neighborhoods of color with these things. And, but you want to talk to me about people, black people shooting each other with guns. Yeah. Don't know black people on boats. Don't know black people know how to build a gun. Where are the guns coming from? Where are the drugs coming from? Why are they killing each other? What's the fight over? You don't want to talk about that, but you want to talk about the end result. Yep. You want to talk about how all black people are unhealthy. It's more black people dying of COVID-19 than black people. COVID-19 is running through black people. Why? Why? Let's talk about the history of how black people have been treated by the medical industry since black people came to this country. That has to factor in. Yeah. People like to act like when civil rights happened, 
that everybody that was racist was just like, oh man, the laws changed. So everybody, we're all cool now. It's like, they were all still mad and racist and they just had to find new ways of being racist. Yeah. Stuff doesn't just stop because the rules change. Like now? Like now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like now. It's like, I think people like to think, oh, the dude who killed Breonna Taylor, he got fired. So that's one less bad apple in the it's no it's systemic man it's bigger than that it's not a person it's, it's not a person. racism yeah. you, you got to get rid of these constructs people are clouding the issue with with labels like racism and it's a system yeah it's bigger than like if you just get rid of all the racist cops it's bigger they're black people that are cops that kill people it's the system yeah people got you got to talk about the system anyway <clears throat> So I've talked about the statistics, 20% higher cancer death rate in women, black women to white women and all that kind of stuff. Black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, these are all real, these are, these are real statistics, man. And, and you know, if, if what, what the basis is for the more likely thing, if I was to let a black woman come in here and speak on their platform from what I've heard in a lot of cases, what they're trying to say is, Black women aren't being believed in these situations mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, uh, dire straits or being in medical. They go, oh, I'm, my back hurts. And they're being looked at like dramatic. They're fine. Mm, yeah. Uh, something something doesn't feel right. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's just it's, she's fine. Yeah. And, and then they die. Yeah. You. Yeah. And then they die. You know, so I don't know if that's all the cases, but I don't think black people are built to deliver children worse than white people you know what i mean so there's something there's a reason that these statistics are crazy you know what i mean like it's it's just it's weird and the the life expectancy for black people in this country is an average about 75 years so and i believe that's lower than other races you know so but there's factors to that you can't just say that and not go over all the stuff i just talked about but that's what people like to do they want to talk about boom and not talk about everything else that got you to boom Anyway, also uh, with dividing it with color, I just say it again, dividing it with color, just saying like, oh, this black people live shorter life, have a shorter life. life yeah, they make it like it's because black people, not like the factors That's that black I mean. people have yeah, to go yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so what very, if you what if you wipe skin color out? And it's like, how do you how do you tell the differences? How do you split them up? Then I, I don't I don't I just don't understand that. I don't get it. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I feel like if you took a person who a poor white person and compare their life expectancy to a, a, a poor black person, it will be the same because they're going through the same conditions. But if yeah. you're comparing poor black people, it's like middle-class white people. It's like, of course it looks terrible, but they, they're different it's, different, it's different conditions. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's people fucking in Arkansas who are poor as shit and white and on welfare who are eating the same type of shit we do or eat like fucking cheese whiz and sardines and whatever. Yeah. And their life expectancy is probably low too. It's a socioeconomic issue as well. It's not yeah. race. You can't just say like, oh, black people live less time on earth because they're black. Yeah. That's how that statistic sounds. Yeah. If you don't give the context of the history of how pe- black people have been treated by the medical field, you know? <clears throat> so anyway, after all this shit happened, all this crazy shit, you know, the syphilis, syphilis experiments, the ski experiments, all this kind of stuff. And in the 1990s, in part to foster racial healing, because black people heard about the Tuskegee experiments after that dude leaked out that out to their friend and the mm-hmm. Associated Press put the story out. Black people were like, I knew it. Like, we can't go to the white people. Are, white doctors are killing us. Yeah. Like black people did not trust the medical field. Yeah. So in, in part to foster uh, racial healing in 1997, President 
uh, Bill Clinton issued a, a public apology stating that the United States government did something that was wrong, deeply and profoundly morally wrong. It's not only in remembering that shameful past that we can make amends and repair our nation, but it is in remembering that past that we can build a better present and a better future. You know, and that's just politician words. You know, they say nice stuff and then they don't do anything. Yeah. But, but anyway, politically correct answer. There you go. Uh, during his apology, the president announced plans for the establishment of Tuskegee University's National Center for Bioethics in Research and Healthcare. The final study participant passed away in 2004. So I was wrong. Not 2013. The final study participant passed away in 2004. Still. Damn. Yeah, he lived. I mean, from 1932 or somewhere in between there to 2004. It's a good run. In 2010, President Barack Obama and other federal officials. Check this out. President Barack Obama and other federal officials apologized for another unethical U.S. sponsored medical study conducted decades earlier in Guatemala. In that study, from 1946 to 1948, nearly 700 men and women prisoners, soldiers, and mental patients were intentionally infected with syphilis. Hundreds more were exposed to other sexually transmitted diseases as part of the study as well, without their knowledge or consent. The purpose of the study was to determine whether penicillin could prevent not just what could prevent not just cure the syphilis infection. So that's how. This is how they found out penicillin. So in the so they started the 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 Tuskegee experiments in 1932, and then from 1946 to 1948 they started another experiment in another country, using penicillin on these people, to see if that worked. And then it did work. And then they didn't tell the people that they were using for the Tuskegee experiment. Oh, we did this other experiment, and now we have like a cure for it. So it's going on at the same time. It well, it it overlapped. But, okay, Tus- yeah, Tuskegee yeah. happened first. Yeah. But how you were like, wait, so they had a cure and they didn't give it to them? They found that they found, by okay. giving it to by giving penicillin to hundreds of people in Guatemala. Wow. And giving and them they, and giving them penicillin. Oh. And they yeah. were like, oh, so penicillin works. works. But yeah. then they didn't come back and go, well, here's Use penicillin this. for y'all. Yeah. yeah it was like, <laughs> it was like, let's see what penic- what that let's see crazy. what syphilis does to them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, the purpose of the study was to see if uh, penicillin would cure, not just prevent syphilis infection. And some of those some of those who became infected never received medical treatment. So some of them just didn't even get the penicillin. So they they were like the Tuskegee um, experiment people, except there was nobody there even monitoring them. They just they just they just have syphilis now. Yeah. Uh, The results of the study, which took place with the cooperation of Guatemalan government officials, were never published. The American public health researcher in charge of the project, Dr. John Cutler, went on to become a lead researcher in the Tuskegee experiments. Following following Cutler's death in 2003, historian Susan Reverby uncovered the records of the Guatemalan experiments while doing research related to the Tuskegee study. She shared her findings with the U.S. government officials in 2010, and that's when it got to Barack Obama, and he goes, oh, shit, now we, now we got to... Damn, what the fuck was this? Now I got to yeah. apologize for this like Bill Clinton did. It's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So that's how it got to Barack Obama saying something about it. This woman named Susan uh, Reverby did the research and was like, what the fuck was this? Yeah. Um, so soon after, soon after, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Secretary of Health and Human Services Kathleen Sebelius issued an apology for the study, for the STD study, and President Obama called the Guatemalan... Pre- president to apologize for the experiments on his people 
Um, speaking of Hillary Clinton, I mean, it's some, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. she's in court for some crazy, yeah. yeah, she's in court for some crazy shit right now that uh, you, people should look that up. Yeah. <laughs> you should like cut. No. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I'm not going to read into that. It's some of those That's dark, it's some me. of the dark stuff. It's some of that dark stuff, man. And some, it's, it's, it's too dark right now for me to, if this was last year, I would have been, I'd be like five YouTube episodes in <laughs> deep into, into some crazy shit. Yeah. But right now I'm like, I can't do it's it right much, now. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't. But it's, if you can handle it, some interesting shit going on with that. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was the history of the Tuskegee experiments and just a little history of, um, black people's interaction with the medical field, uh, with the history of America. And, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy times. But, uh, any questions or anything like that? Um, oh man, that's, black people always get the uh, short end of the stick. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy <laughs> times, man, but let's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to cry on this podcast, <laughs> but, uh, let's, uh, let's get into, let's get into these good vibes, though. That's right, folks. It's time for some good vibes. I feel like they're, you know, in, in this the times that we're in right now, I like to, I, I like the good vibes more than ever, really. Just yeah. to just, you know, you, so much darkness going on. I like to just celebrate people doing positive things in the world, people, you know, having a, you know, a windfall of something positive happening in their life. I like to highlight it and just give people some motivation and some positive energy to take with them into their life to just kind of fight off what's going on right now. And this week uh, I was, my attention was directed to a pretty a fantastic case of black excellence. It is uh, the case of the first ever, apparently I'm, I'm just reading the headline. They're the first ever mother daughter duo to graduate med school together and become doctors. Oh, so this mother daughter duo is making history together as their first, as the first ever to graduate from medical school at the same time and match at the same hospital. So they're doing their residency together. Mm. The University of Medi the University of Medicine and Health Sciences, also known as UMHS, reports that Dr. Cynthia Kudji and daughter Jasmine both matched at LSU Health in Louisiana after receiving their medical degrees. Uh medical degrees Cynthia in oh okay yeah, yeah Cynthia in family medicine and Jasmine in general surgery so shout out to Jasmine I mean I don't know many women surgeons or black women surgeons specifically yeah. they say I, I watched the video and they say it's as a statistic only two percent of physicians in in the, in the United States are are black women only two percent and for there to be this like erroneous statistic of three to four times more black women uh, dying from uh, birth-related, delivery-related uh, deaths. Yeah, it feels like a black woman. A black woman is more needed in in those rooms. Yeah, two percent. That's crazy. yeah. So just somebody to be like, girl, give her some more uh, anesthesia or check her liver. If she's saying her liver hurt. Check it. Just yeah. check it instead of being like, nah, you know. Yeah, she's over exaggerating. Anyway. <clears throat> Uh, the two were thrilled to receive this news on match day last month, which was May, as they studied for years uh, apart at separate schools. Cynthia earned her degree in St. Kitts and Maine from UMHS, and her daughter obtained her uh, her MD from LSU School of Medicine in Louisiana. 
Dr. Cynthia Kudji, who who's originally from Ghana, West Africa, put her dreams of becoming a doctor on hold when she was pregnant with her daughter at just 23 years old. Mm. She went on to become a nurse and worked as an RN and nurse practitioner for almost a decade before deciding to attend medical school. Dr. Cynthia Kudji didn't always plan on practicing medicine, considering there wasn't a lot of representation of phys- of physician role models on television when she was younger. Which I think, again, we talk about that a lot. We talked about that a lot when Black Panther came out. And it's like, when you see somebody to emulate, it goes a long way. Yeah. And I don't want to get into the Bill Cosby thing because, you know, what he did was super fucked up. But there was a point where the Cosby show, that was, you looked at that show and you go, oh, man, like a, a Look at what a, a black a black fa- a doctor and a black lawyer and yeah. they got the kids the fa- the nuclear families on attack like oh man I, I want to be like Heathcliff Huxtable yeah I want to be like Claire Huxtable and be a lawyer and you know and be black and you know wearing my my uh, HBCU sweatshirt and all mm-hmm. it, it was something to aspire to so you just we it helps people to see those kind of images yeah and I think people of other races might take that for granted. Because that's just how the world seems to them. It's just like, whatever, doctors are doctors. I don't know. I didn't notice that all the doctors on TV were white because they're all white. I didn't really think about it. Yeah. But I promise you other people notice and they go, oh, well, I guess just Mexican people aren't doctors. And then you see somebody on TV, you see a TV show and a six-year-old sees that and they go, oh, man, I want to be that. I want to be a banker mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. So representation matters. And this Cynthia said, well, I wasn't really I didn't really think about becoming a doctor because I didn't know any I didn't see any doctors. I didn't even think that black people were doctors. Yeah. So um, she said, uh, I remember when we were younger and there were TV shows like The Cosby Show and A Different World. She said UMHS. uh, She said to UMHS, seeing African-Americans in college or being successful was like first. So for me, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I want to be a physician. It was like, oh, oh, no, I can really do this. Or am I smart enough to do this? A trip back to her homeland inspired her to follow her aspirations. After researching numerous schools, she decided to pursue medicine at UMHS. She said what really caught my eye was the whole personalized education because I felt I needed support being an older student and one that would uh, cater to me. And I was really drawn to small class sizes, she says. That's why she went to like another country to get her education because mm-hmm. she does. This is the mom. She faced challenges as a, a non-traditional student and her daughter Jasmine had difficulties adjusting as well, especially since she was my mother FaceTiming me interrupting the whole podcast. I will <laughs> call you back. <laughs> Speaking of mothers, she must've heard mothers in her ear started burning. Uh, especially when she was, uh, Oh my God. You know what? This is going to be, interesting. I am, I am, I am. Hello. Mother, I'm doing my podcast right now, literally, and uh, I will happily call you back in a second. Hey, Ms. Dianca. Fran said hi. (laughs) Hello, Richard. It's nice to meet you. I will call. (laughs) I will call you back. (laughs) Bye. I'm gonna show off her new her new boyfriend to me, calling me on Facetime. Mother never used Facetime a day in her life, and then she want to Facetime somebody next to her man. (laughs) Anyway, where was I? Anyway, man, Cynthia and Jasmine are. They are the epitome of black excellence, a mother and daughter team going uh, to school and becoming medical, getting their medical degrees and becoming physicians. And they're doing their residency at the same hospital. So I want to give a shout out to Cynthia and Jasmine. That is an an incredible feat. And I think it's also really cool to see 
your parent pursue a dream mm -hmm. because it lets you know it's never too it, it can inspire you in ways they'll never even realize it, and they might even realize they might go i'm gonna go get my college. i'm gonna go finish school so i can show my child that it's never too late and anything's possible yeah i was gonna say i'm glad she stuck with uh you know her plans of what she wanted yeah. to do before it got got put on hold yeah so absolutely so child. so shout out to them 100 percent. and there was no mention of like a father in this instance so i'm gonna go ahead and preemptively say happy father's day to cynthia yeah. i think that there's a lot of there's this movement of men who are like father's day is for fathers and that's not cool but listen no shade it's a lot of shitty fathers out there yeah. and i think that if you're a mother pulling double duty if you're a child experiencing that you should absolutely you don't. Have, you have no idea how happy that would make your mother to just get her some flowers and say thank you for everything that you do on Father's Day because I appreciate you just doing both these jobs for me. Yeah. To the best of your ability, and also if you have a if if you have a shitty relationship with your father, I challenge people to take that day to address those issues like an adult and stop getting your father socks and a box of candy and a card even though you don't really mean it. Yeah. You just feel guilty and you're like it's, 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 it's the right thing to do because it's Father's Day. Yeah. Some fathers need to know they did a shitty job and we need to stop pretending like, oh, well, whatever, it's Father's Day. Like, let's just all get together and take photos and hug and act like everything's cool. And then I won't see you again for six months. Like, no, take that day. Let them know what's up. Try to do it as adult as you can. Yeah. I know what you want to say and just and then start anew instead of walking on eggshells and this elephant being in the room of, you know, you f you don't even really. You don't even really know if you like your dad or if your dad knows you or anything like that. It's just like, it's Father's Day, so you got to get him something. Yeah. I challenge people to do that. Take the Father's Day. I mean, if you got a great dad, shout out to you. I know, Fran, you get Mr. Rogers, the man. Yeah. And shout out to him. You know, yeah, I, I, he's 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 he's, the, he's that dude. But it's some people out here that are treating their, their dads like Mr. Rogers, and they're not. Yeah. They're not. So stop doing it. Come correct and come real. And try to start a new relationship if that's what you want to do. But don't just get somebody a fucking box of candy and say a card that says, like, you're the best dad ever. Yeah. You know that's not true. Yeah. Why are we lying to each other? Makes them feel like they they did their they job. Never, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they never even know. they. Yeah. That's, you, know how, you know how maddening that is to a person who knows that you didn't do a good job as a father and your father's walking around like, man, I'm, I'm nailing this. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, no, that's not. I, 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 can't, I can't consent to that. So I challenge everybody to go out there and just speak your truth to your father on Father's Day if it needs to be done. Yeah. That's my good vibes. Shout out to Cynthia and shout out to Jasmine. Fran is on you. My good vibe. Um, a single mom and Uber driver in Memphis just wanted to do her part um, to help others during the COVID-19 pandemic. And now, thanks to a famous celebrity, she's been rewarded handsomely for her generosity. When Tammy Smith gave, I mean, when she gave an exhausted nurse a ride home a couple months ago she felt inspired to show her gratitude so she started buying and delivering meals to frontline workers mm. over the past two months she delivered thousands of lunches and dinners to exhausted doctors and nurses at her local hospital up to 60 meals on some days mm. she started raising money so she could deliver even more which resulted in tens of thousands of dollars contributed and 3,500 meals dropped off every day for nearly three months. Oh, wow. It's a lot of, lot of meals. A lot of meals. Um, a local news station praised her efforts, and the story spread even further. With the New York Post and London's Daily Mail recognizing her selfless work, Tammy was thrilled because more pu publicity meant more donations, which meant she could do more for the hospital workers. Mm -hmm. That's a different kind of excitement. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I can get more money, buy more meals. I can give more food to people. Yeah. That's very selfless sounding. Yeah. So on Mother's Did it say what the meals were? No, it didn't say. Okay. No, no, no. Um, on Mother's Day, the, the mom- thought, It's the thought that counts. Yeah. The mom of two was invited to featured 
on Jada Pinkin Smith's web show, Red Table Talk. Shout out to, I love that show. Yeah, she was happy to be getting more attention for her cause, but what happened next was not more than she could have ever dreamed of. The actress of wife, the actress and wife of Will Smith, I don't like when they do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter who yeah. she's wife. Jada, Jada <laughs> Pinkett. Like Jada, Jada, is, people know who Jada Pinkett is. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a low-down, dirty shame? Yeah. How about that? Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith wanted to give her a special donation. We want to purchase We want to purchase for you an eco-friendly car, a brand new one for Mother's Day, Smith said. Probably like Prius. I would have seen something like that. Because that's eco-friendly, isn't it? A Tesla's eco-friendly, too. Maybe they bossed her up. I don't know. Oh, they I, probably got her a Tesla. Yeah. I'm a Prius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tesla. Get it. But. <laughs> pushing it a little bit um i have never known such a generosity in my entire life tammy told um wmc news news 5 in march when the stay-at-home orders began in tennessee tammy's rideshare business took a significant hit her car troubles made things even more uncertain mm. she said kind of like a box of chocolates i never knew what i was going to get when Fort, i started the car force gump reference <laughs> when i started the car tammy said adding that she expects the better fuel economy of the new car purchased by Smith Family Foundation mm. will help her get back on her, her feet more quickly. Meanwhile, Tammy is still putting others first, making deliveries every night. So if you would like to support her generous work, uh, she has a GoFundMe page. Um, she's also accepting donations via Venmo at Tara-Rivera-26 um, um, and PayPal, which is We3Sing. We, we yeah, We3Sing. We 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 three sing at gmail.com. So we spell out the number three, though, right? No. T-H-R-E. Yeah, yeah. T R T H R E E. Sing. Sing. S I N G. Yep. At, at gmail. gmail.com. Cool. Yep. Yeah, that's that's very commendable. I am a picky eater, so I think after like the third time of her bringing me something, if I didn't like it, it's again that's why I asked what it was because I mean, it, so take people it. on the front line like a like a doctor. Yeah. If I'm a doctor, I can probably get what I want to eat for lunch. So take it's it. like here's a bologna sandwich and some some, some potato chips. It's like, thanks. I was gonna get like a watercress salad or something like that, or you know, Asian Thai food or something. But thank you. It's it, it's a thought that counts. That's my point. We don't know what she got on. Maybe it's it was rude, a, man. I gotta eat the food even if I don't like the food. You gonna take it? Still, you gonna say no? I'm gonna take, take it. it. Oh, of course I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna say thank you and everything yeah. like that. But if it's going in the trash, you shouldn't you probably trash. go give it to a homeless person? I would, yeah. I'm not trying to shit on her plan. Then you are. No, no. She's trying to. No, she make, no, she's taking time out of her day never, no, to never, get all meals no. and you're not going to eat it. I, friend, never, I'll eat it. Friend, I'll just never. have to eat it. I I'll just never, suck it up and eat it, man. I would never shit on this person. This is commendable what they're doing. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm a picky eater. That's all I'm saying. Shout out to her, man. You want to be fancy and, and go get Thai. Thai food. Shout out to her, man. Shout out to her. That's amazing. That's terrible, super man. commendable what she's doing, man. And I appreciate her and, and the world appreciates her. Um, I think that's all I got, man. You got anything else you want to add? Or uh, um, nope. Like I said, shout out, you know, shout out to all the fathers out there is doing the, doing the, what they got to do. Shout out to all the mothers out there that's doing what they got to do. Um, happy Father's Day to anybody who deserves it. And if you don't, maybe you should take a look at how you did. Are you are you doing okay? Think, but really think about it, because yeah. I don't. There's a lot of dudes out here like, let me see what the kids get me this weekend, and you know, let me. See. And you might not deserve nothing, man. Really think about it. Yeah. Are you nailing this shit? Because it matters, man. A father's job is important. So, you know, just that's some food for thought. I've, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner and true crime friend, So Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 